You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy, episode 478. Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door with your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from both Charlotte, North Carolina, and Houston, Texas. This show is recorded on the week of June 21st, 2021. Yeah, he's up in the sky. Cathay Pacific is looking at ways of having only one pilot in the cockpit for long-haul flights. A British Airways 787's nose gear collapses on the tarmac at Heathrow. More news, your feedback, and today's plane tale, The Baby Killers. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger, and Flight 478 is ready for pushback. Thank you, Radio Roger. He is an award... Did you know this? I might have heard this. He is an award-winning, an Emmy award-winning TV and radio reporter currently at the number one all-new station in the nation, 1010 Wins in... New York City! Wow. Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. It's an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot at a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, GA, and joining me today... From my hotel studio here in North Kagalecki, she is a doctor, a skydiver, a marathon runner, strength training junkie, IPA connoisseur, and commercial multi-engine instrument-rated backstabbing jumper, dumper, Dr. Steph. Hey, Captain Jeff. I came all the way across the border just to hang out with you I know. for the show. It's a really long way, I just want you to know. Well, I, I do appreciate the effort that yes. you make each and every week. <laughs> Good to see you in person, as always. Likewise. All right, and that's it. Um, just a quick explanation for what we're doing here. Oh, I'm out of I'm out of the frame here. Uh, we are uh, doing a two-parter this week. Uh, this is part one, obviously, and uh, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, at my layover, layover hotel with the wonderful Doctor Steph. And we're going to do about an hour's worth of uh, news and feedback. Not sure what we're doing. Keep it concise. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then. Um, the rest of the show we're going to do tomorrow. Uh, the boys are going to join me tomorrow. I see. As long, and Liz, don't worry. There will be female supervision. There, there, yeah, there needs to be some sort of supervision, I yeah. think. Unfortunately, it cannot be me tomorrow. I will be working. But yeah. sadly, well, glad that Liz will be here to yeah, keep everything in strict, line. So. More so than me. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that, uh, let's go ahead and do a little bit of news. Let's do it. And by for news. All right. We're going to start with this. We're like just now discussing. <laughs> well, what are we going to do? There has been a lot of preparation for today's <laughs> show. I just watched it. It went, as feels- far as, it went as far as getting pre-show tacos and setting up the studio. Mm. And that's as far as we got. Yeah. Eat your heart out, PTUK. Yeah. This is how it's done. <laughs> um, not. 
but uh, anywho, um, we're going to start with two, these two. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that. Let's start with 1A, and then we'll move to those other ones. Okay. All right. Uh, first item in the news is uh, a crash, a Ken Avia L410 at Bukavu, or Bukavu, I think, on June 16th. 2021, lost height after departure due to a load shift. This is from Simon Radzki's uh, wonderful Aviation Aviation Herald website, av, web, no, avherald.com. Okay. Uh, it's probably easier just to say AV Herald. AV Herald. Okay, yeah. I can't, now, I, now I think about it. Uh, Canavia Linlet L-E-T-L-410 registration, 9 Sierra, Golf, Romeo, Juliet, performing a flight from Bakavu to Shabunda in the Demo- Democratic Republic of Congo. With one passenger and two crew and 1.6 tons of sheet metal, crashed about 30 se- seconds after takeoff from Kavumu Aerodrome at about, you have to say it like that, 11.15 um, which is 915Z. All three occupants perished in the crash. The aircraft has been destroyed. Yes? No, I was just looking at the spelling there. That's all. Just... Yeah, not not good spelling, but that's okay. We know what they mean. Yes. In the evening, uh, DR Congo's Ministry of Transport released a statement reporting the airplane departed Bukavu with three occupants and 1.6 tons of cargo about three minutes after takeoff at about 11.15 local. The aircraft began deviating from its initial trajectory and impacted the ground and investigations being set up. On June 17, 2021, the airline reported that the airplane was involved in the crash, 9 Sierra Gulf Romeo Juliet. The aircraft carried 1,500 kilograms of iron roof roof sheeting. Preliminary information suggests a load shift caused the aircraft to pitch up less than 30 seconds after takeoff and to enter a full aerodynamic stall. The aircraft came to rest in a valley just behind the UN Monusco installation of Bukavu Kavumu Airport. (laughs) Nailed it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Liz, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Uh, Do you pick these um, specifically because the words are going to be very difficult for me to pronounce? Actually, there's going to be a very nice segue here into our next news story, though. I'm just now getting Mm -hmm. that that's what she's doing. Mm -hmm. Thanks a lot. It has nothing to do with the pronunciation. (laughs) You got it, Pontiac. (laughs) Okay. The airline states on their website they operate five of these types, uh, L410s. The Czech aircraft, oh, L410. Anyway, so Liz was showing you some of the um, some of the photos um, of the crash. So yeah, so they had all this metal, the sheet uh, roof okay. sheet sheeting, roofing what roofing material, and uh, a lot, fifteen hundred kilograms, which would be about I don't know, probably three thousand five hundred. Yeah, uh, pounds or so. A lot of a lot of uh, weight, and if it wasn't secured properly, it would uh, it possibly shift, and that's what they think happened here: the mm-hmm. load shift. And then, of course, in an airplane, weight and balance is very important. important. Mm-hmm. How do you do that in the um, in the caravan? We have a spreadsheet, yeah, and we yeah goes by station and place and um, assumed weights of passengers. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Assumed. Just, well, the airlines assumed the airlines weight. assume weights of passengers as yeah. well. 
Mm-hmm. And then you add a, a few extra And then you add a few extra. Mom like, and the kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's all on a spreadsheet, so we know where mm-hmm. we can put people and load people. So people have to sit in specific areas. Specific areas, specific areas of the airplane, and we keep the tail section uh, clear, even though it looks like there's a nice flat area there to sit on that is not a seating area. Uh-huh. Precisely because if you put people there, then you are out of weight and balance, and you will have this type of problem. I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else to say about this? No, but like I said, nice um, or interesting segue anyway with um, two incidences with the same aircraft type. Oh, this one here? Yes. Okay. Uh, item 1C, at least seven parachutists killed in plane crash in Siberia. Um, let's see. Yeah, as you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this one, um, found out about this one on Sunday. Um Interesting about uh, the skydiving community. It's a very small community. Even um, worldwide, you tend to get news of different incidents pretty quickly. So, um, and actually, I think there was some conflicting information here, whether it was seven killed or four killed. Either way, um, loss of life, quite tragic. Um, And this was, uh, we'll just jump into the story, which is from timeslive.co.za. Z alpha. Zulu alpha. Uh, a view shows uh, the wreckage of an L-410 plane, so same type of aircraft, crashed near the Tane Aerodrome, which provides parachuting services in the Kemerovo region of Russia on June 19th, 2021. Um, nailed it. Nailed it. The news agency, uh, let's see, uh, citing an emergency service source said up to 17 people were injured in the crash near the Tane Aerodrome. Said the plane crashed into a nearby forest and cited local prosecutor offices saying the crew had sent a distress signal about an engine failure. So this is a multi-engine aircraft, two engines. Um, and this was the second news story, which says that it was really four uh, killed and four badly injured. That's a big difference. Um, yeah, well, I, I don't know. Um, I guess Siberia and news services, maybe mm. it's rather remote and information was a little bit, um, you know, how things are when, when there's a incident right as it happens sometimes all the details aren't quite correct so um either way lots of damage to this particular airplane it does not appear to be in a forest either it appears to be very close to the airport um from what i can tell from the pictures Hmm. but um yeah this sounds more uh, you know different different type of incident the first one was load shifting and weight and balance issue this one sounds more like an engine failure and um what is it with these airplanes uh they should Aren't they certified to be able to fly on one engine? With as far as I know, that's a yeah. load. Yeah. Um, so then you start thinking about other causes of what mm-hmm. happened. We've seen that, you know, fairly recently too with the King Air um, mm-hmm. story where there was an engine failure and just um, uh, that was uh, inappropriate application of rudder, I believe. Yeah, according to the NCSB. Um, acor- according, yes. Unless you're Dan Grider. Yeah, and there's been some, some debate on that too, but um, at, at any rate. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't have any more details beyond that. And that was just what was reported. So um, very sad. Anyway. No, I'm sorry. I'm not laughing. <laughs> I was like, okay. I was just looking at the uh, exposure, um, so to speak, of the uh, camera. And I'm thinking, I'm wondering, it looks like really bluish. It's a little blue. Let me We've see had if a, I can. A couple of really blue stories blue, here. Yeah. Blue just matches the. Um, that didn't do anything, did it? No. no. Liz is um, Liz is, is singing something to do with blue. What are you singing? Blue on blue, 
Never heard that one. Have you ever heard that? I don't know that song. No. Must be one of those Canadian things. I think the picture looks okay. I think it's maybe it's just your blue shirt is reflecting off of the. Okay. I'll just leave it. Leave it alone. Don't touch it, Jeff. It's not broken. Let me tell you how many times I've heard that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. This was an interesting one. Yeah. Well, tell okay. us about it. All right. So this is news story number three. Um, emergency ser- emergency services attend collapsed BA plane on Heathrow runway. Uh, not on the runway. Uh, this is from the dailymail.co.uk. Well, everything's a runway. Or right? the tarmac. No. I'm surprised they didn't or the say tarmac. on the but tarmac. But tarmac would be more appropriate. Yeah. Because at least it's a paved surface. The apron. The apron, the apron is, where is correct. Actually yes. happened. Uh yes. So the headline says British Airways Dreamliner seven eight seven nose collapses on the tarmac. There we go. At Heathrow Airport, injuring one crew member on the ground after, quote, engineer failed to lock the landing gear properly, close quote. Hmm. Um British Airways we've already said that like three times. So yeah, shocking but let's photos. Just say it for no, no. Moving on. <laughs> shocking photos show the Dreamliner 787-8 with its nose on the ground and broken landing gear while a stair car stands by. Stair do car. we have any shocking photos to show the audience, Liz? We do. We got okay. one. So stand by there for photos. Oh, that's shocking. Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, very uh. shocking. Uh, airport emergency crews rushed to the scene, but the extent of the damage to the plane remains unknown. Unless you're looking at the picture, and then you can guess the extent of some of the damage there. Um, medics assisted two staff with one in need of hospital treatment. The incident happened while the Boeing made plane passenger aircraft converted for cargo transport was being loaded for a morning flight to Frankfurt, Germany, having flown in from Moscow two days ago. Uh, probably had something to do with the Germans. Or the Russians. Or the Russians. Probably neither. I think yeah. this was... Actually, less, far, far less uh, nefarious than. Oh, but, you might but think. it was at Heathrow, so it was those English people uh-huh. that had something to do with it. Okay. I have to ask Nick about that tomorrow. Okay, yeah, I will. The uh, the source added that the flight crew were on board when it collapsed, and there were concerns among the ground staff of a possible safety issue, which could lead to other 787s being grounded while inspections are carried out. British Airways, however, said flights were continuing as normal and that the aircraft was only transporting freight and so had no passengers on board. It comes amid turbulence for BA after it announced a cut of up to 12,000 jobs during the pandemic and for Boeing, who suffered huge problems grounding their 737 MAX airliner fleet after two crashes killed 346 people. Uh, so uh, there's, a lot, what's, of rep- what's there's their, a lot of repetition in this article. What What is their highest priority at uh, British Airways? Oh, Where? Here. Uh, 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 That's what I was getting to. That was literally the next line I was going to read. Oh. Safety is always our highest priority oh, okay, at British good. Airways. And we are investigating the matter. A London Ambulance Service spokesperson said, We were called at 8.05 a.m. today to reports of an incident. We sent a number of resources to the scene, including, including our hazardous area response team, ambulance crews, a medic on a bicycle, and an incident response officer. Our medics assisted two people at the scene. So we already said. Anyway, um, it kind of goes on into more detail at... Uh, Interesting comment from Captain Al here, Jeff. 
There's right. a long-standing AD. On, this is from Captain Al in our live audience. There is a long-standing airworthiness directive on this issue. I'm afraid it's just another case of putting something into the wrong hole. <laughs> I really don't know what to say about that. Well, there's a lot of things to say about that, but we're just going to say that um, Oops, it was sorry. a maintenance issue. Maintenance issue. Yes, a uh, some kind of a locking pin, pin. that was uh, placed inserted inside. incorrectly yes. or inserted in to the an wrong incorrect place. location. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, so, anyway, um, yeah, a big um, oops in that I'm case. Wa- I'm wondering if uh, can you tell from the photo if does a door open out on the 787 and like hang like like where the I was just truck is because i don't you know i just see the yeah i was wondering that earlier as well like when i was looking at the original article i don't see I the don't, door anywhere in there it's hard to tell actually um there's another picture here liz looking from the front of the aircraft yeah and because that door, this there. door is out and yeah. that door looks like maybe it's smushed into the yeah i don't know someone um I think uh, more familiar with the seven eight seven than so us might do. I would imagine that it probably did a lot of damage to that door. Damage to the door. There's a lot, fair on. amount of damage. It looks like to where the um, uh, doors are for the nose gear, and then the engine uh, pods look like they're on the ground too, don't they? Mm-hmm. The front of them. Yeah. So that's that's probably inexpensive. You know, it's probably going to be more than like a hundred dollars or hundred pounds. Hundred pounds. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would think so. I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, somebody. Somebody's going to have some splaining to do. I guess that engineer that put the pin in the wrong hole. Follow up from Captain L. Follow up from Captain L. Uh, There are two holes in the nose gear. Only one isolates the retract function when the pin is inserted. Uh, What does the other one do? Just lock it, prevent it from being retracted? No, that's what he just said. I don't know. What the heck is the other hole for? Al. Two holes in the nose gear. The door opens outward and runs normally parallel to the front of the door entry. That's what I was thinking, or front of the entry. So looks like in one of the photos that we're looking at uh, that we don't have to show you that uh, part of the door is like yeah, I think the caught door up got in the caught air in stair the, ramp mm-hmm. thing because as the aircraft came down, you know, mm-hmm. the relative motion there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's going to be expensive. That's what? very funny, Captain L. One last comment from Captain L. Rumors are that an X-747 skipper dropped his wallet on the cockpit floor, hence the collapse of the nose gear, because uh, they're so wealthy. Yes, that's a true story. I know. Okay. There you have it. Anything else in the news, or can we... I think save those for the okay. rest of them for the next time. Very good. Well, we can do... I want to do the get, the getting to know us segment. Excellent. Okay, here we go. Getting to know all about us. Getting to like us. Getting to no, hoping that you like us too, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's close enough. Anyway, uh, that's the segment of the show where we get all cut up with uh, what we have been doing in between episodes. And uh, tomorrow, when when we um, thanks, Liz. Uh, she slapped up the fifty percent guarantee there on the on screen. Well, hopefully we get this part right. Yeah, yeah. It's not guaranteed. No, uh, but tomorrow we'll we'll hear uh, what um, Captain Nick and Miami Rick have been up to between the shows. Uh, but now you're gonna we're gonna get an update from Jeff and Steph, mm-hmm. and uh, 
You want to? No, you want to start? You go first. Right, I'm gonna do the okay. Talking here. All right. So it. let me uh, go to this uh, note. And first thing I'd like to do is uh, show you something that I received uh, through the mail from John Kiernan Lewis, who is a, a good friend of mine and a good friend of my son's. Um, my son went to school with uh, John, and um, yeah, and he started a company. I think you heard us talk about it on a on an earlier show. Uh, he um, started a company on the side called Runway Card, R W Y Card Company. And the other, I came home from my trip last week, and I had this parcel waiting for me. And this is just uh, one of the um, decks of cards that he uh, included in here. So um, we have, um, actually, this is yours oh. right here. Ooh. So it's all um, in fun. plastic. And here you can Thank have this you. little sticker, too. This R, RW. Showing the overlay now. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, hang on. Let's see. RWY, little sticker. And then there's the uh, card deck. And then uh, you can put that overlay back on if you'd like, Liz. Um, can I, okay. should I open it now? Yeah, go ahead. And then I, I went ahead and um, brought the um, the original version of the runway um, card deck, um, and it's the domestic version. And this is the internet. Well, let me read the little note here that John sent with the little package. See, there we go. Okay. Hey, Captain Jeff, just wanted to send you and the crew some of my new playing cards. I'd be very interested to see how many of these airports from around the world the crew has collect collectively flown into. I actually just enabled a 10% discount code for some APG listeners who have been asking me about them. Okay, so I'll, I'll have the information about his website. I think it's like apgcard.com. It's pretty easy. Uh, or no, not APG. <laughs> You should change it to APG card, John. Uh, let's see. No, it is. Uh, I think it's just rwycard.com, I think. But it'll be in the show notes. Anyway, um, so the, the discount code, if you want to order some of these playing cards, is in all caps, APGCOMM. So APGCOM. Uh, let's see. Another news. Oh, okay. Uh, I hope it's okay, JP, if I, I read this. Um, this is news about his his family, his uh, beautiful wife Sarah, who, whom I have not. I don't think I've met Sarah um, yet. Uh, they were living out in Southern California, and hmm. uh, they moved back to uh, the Atlanta area, North Decatur, uh, and, and they moved into their new house. And he's got a new job designing car seats for Graco in Dunwoody. It involves a lot of crash testing and even inversion testing to make sure that the seats comply with FAA regulations. Do you use real babies for that or probably not? No? Probably just dummies. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just I would crash hope. dummies. Yeah, little yeah. baby crash dummies. Well, you know, when you think about like it. Like the, the ones that we use for CPR. You get the little plastic, scary looking baby. Okay. Um, <laughs> I probably leave that one out of the uh, motion. <laughs> so uh, Liz is saying some interesting things. Um, well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a valid question, I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, so I'm, I was thinking, you know, the, the, the adult crash test dummies, I guess 
they had to be babies at some point, right? Is that how it works? Yeah, that's okay. the way it works. Yeah, they grew into it. Okay, um, so anyway, uh, JP says, really looking forward to the next Atlanta ABG meetup wherever, whenever it happens to be. So thanks, JP, for the note. Thanks for the card. Okay, so... So he was interested to know um, how many we've collectively been to. I think probably between all four of us, we've got a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I pulled out, while Jeff was talking, the ones that I've definitely been to. Um, I'll give you the other. So okay. I've got 10, actually, which I thought oh, was pretty good. That's good. Um, so... You're not done here? No. Huh. Not to that airport. And actually not to that city either. Oh. Anyway, I've got okay. Toronto. Woohoo! Yay. Uh, I've got Dublin. I've got Tokyo Narita. I've got Dubai. I've got Tokyo Haneda. Istanbul, Madrid, London Heathrow, Zurich, and Sao Paulo, Brazil. Hmm. Let me see. So I think out of the ones that you just... Um, no, I've not been to that one. I've been to Heathrow, obviously. Um, I've been... Well, I've not technically been to Madrid Airport. I've been to Torrejon, which is outside of oh, okay. Madrid. Well, I think you have to have been to the airport for it to count. Okay. Well, so then I won't count it. Stickler's. I've um, not... I've been to... Haneda? Mm, Narita? No, I've been... I, I've not. I've, I've actually flown into an Air Force base. <laughs> I don't get to count that one you either. You the Air Force base edition. I know. Jeff. Yeah. John, get... get JP, get to work on that. Dublin, oh, no. Here. Toronto, I've been to here. Pearson. Hold up a card so that uh, the uh, chat room can see. So here is Toronto. So it's got yeah, the that's airport where Liz is right layout now, on Right in the it. middle of that airport. Yep. Yeah. She's waving. You can look closely. Mexico City, I've been to Mexico City. Uh, and I've been to Frankfurt, Germany. Um, I've not been there. I've not been there. I've been to Dusseldorf, but not the not airport. The airport. A lot of these places I've been, but I have not been to their airport. Mm. I'm not. I'm not batting a thousand here. You, I think you've got I me did, beat. Did better here. Well, but I, I yeah. can't wait till we can hear from Rick. Rick, Rick will go. Oh, yeah, all Rick, of them. Rick will go. Yeah, he's like I've been to all of these. I've been all and these. many more. This Why did boring. you not? Did you pick up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fifty uh, pair of big ups. Okay, no, no, no. This is fascinating no. podcasting. Uh, Owen wants to know no. if they have the new runway on the W. Uh, let's. That was over I've here. Got I think. It. Um, okay. I see two runways. In green, and then maybe one under construction. Okay, so I'm not, it's not going well here. <sighs> yeah. All right, so I'm I'm winning. I'm winning so far. It's okay. Jeff's gonna fix this in post. Yeah, that's right. Okay, that's <laughs> it. So not, not a good showing from uh, Captain Jeff on that one. But that's okay. that's okay. But it's so many airports that I can go and visit in the future and try to up my score. There you go. All right. So thank you, JP, for sending that. And I'll make sure that uh, all of the crew get their... Uh, oh, shoot. I just sent a package to uh, Captain Nick. And I think... Yeah, I think I actually had possession of, of these things before I sent them. Someone's saying the they do not have the new runway at Dublin. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, well. Well, you'll have to contact JP. Thanks. Tell him to get on the stick, so to speak. Anyway, thank you, JP. And again... Uh, we'll have the link to his company, uh, the Runway or RWY Card Company, in the show notes. And don't forget to use the code if you go to the website if you want to get a uh, 10% discount. A-P-G-C-O-M-M. 
community, I guess. APG community. community, yeah, APG community. Ah, thank you, Liz. She's so clever. Very nice cards, too. They have a nice feel Yeah, they're very, they're very high quality. Mm -hmm. very high We're going to have a poker game when we get together. Our, uh, strip poker? Okay, Liz. Um, <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't know you didn't say that. Uh, all right. Uh, discuss the Coffee Fun Classic. Oh, okay. Um, so we've been doing, um, and when I say we, I mean everybody but this one right here, have been doing some crew logs in the, in the recent past. She's uh, working for on her album. The, uh, oh, that's right. Alyssa. She's working on her album. Um, and uh, the most recent one was um, uh, Miami Rick uh, kind of doing a, what do you call it, like pre-gaming, like all the different things that he His does. pre-flight rituals. Yeah. Um, very interesting and uh, very similar to the type of thing that I do as well. Uh -huh. Most of it. <laughs> Except for a lot more. Multiply by 10. <laughs> Anywho, um, we're not going to get into that right now. Um, but uh, the point of this is that the way uh, Patreon is set up, it lends itself to producing. Uh, when you become a patron, you basically get your own private RSS feed. My mouth is clicking. I have a, I have a, uh, uh, a, a plug-in that I can use to kind of get rid of that, but I can't do a, anything about it now. Anywho, um, so um, man, I'm trying not to click my mouth, but it's I have a noisy mouth um, in so many ways. Uh, where was I? Okay, we were talking about Patreon. Patron, uh, if you become a patron, you get your own private feed, and then you get these crew logs. And if you use the Coffee Fun Classic method, there's really not a great way. I mean, it doesn't happen automatically. You're, it's, it's all kind of related to Patreon. And I'm hoping to do some videos as well, like, like you know, selfie videos and in addition to the uh, audio-only stuff, that uh, crew logs that we're putting on there. And uh, it, so the, the way that you're going to be able to see those, if you're a member of our Coffee Fund cadre, uh, is to have this um, private feed. And then even if you have the private feed, you only, you're only going to get the audio, not the video stuff. But anyway... Oh, I'm sorry. I need to. I need to lean in. Liz is telling me. I need to. Uh, okay. Um, anywho, what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's taking me forever. What are you trying to say? I, <laughs> I'm still unsure what you're trying to say. What I'm trying to say, Steph, uh -huh. is that if I would like for all of you to prayerfully consider those of you who are um, using the classic method, especially the ones who are doing the recurrent payments or contributions, I should say, um, to uh, consider joining Patreon and becoming a patron there. And uh, that way you can have access to all these wonderful things that we're going to try to increase in the future. And uh, so that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, switch from the Coffee Fun Classic to, to Patreon if you can, because I don't want you to lose out. Now, I will say that if you are listening and you're a contributor to the Coffee Fun Classic method and you contribute um, $50 or more per year, um, then send me an email and then I'll send you a link to that private feed. And that way you can, you can, get, the, uh, you can get everything that we put out there, including our free um, podcasts that we put out every week. And then the crew logs and that thing. The only thing you might not get is the uh, is the videos. And again, that's only going to happen if you're on Patreon. And I know several of you have made the jump from the APG Classic to Patreon. George Leslie. George Leslie being one of them. Thank you, uh, Liz. Uh, 
a, a wonderful contributor up there in Canada, not too far from where you live, right, Liz? Correct. Okay, correct, she said. All right, so I just wanted to say that. And uh, I've been trying to figure out a, a good way to work this whole thing out, but it's just easier if just everybody was on Patreon if they can't be. The nice thing about mm-hmm. uh, the APG Classic, uh, the Classic Coffee Fun Classic thing, is that you can do like just one off contributions. Yes. It's so that's more nice difficult thing. to do with Patreon. But can't, I don't you, even think you can. I'm not sure if you can. I guess you could do one and then cancel it. And then it. cancel it. Yeah. That's, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it does. We've had people do that, but it, it's not very, it's clunky. So, okay, that uh, is what I wanted to say. And then, uh, oh, looks like uh, we were talking about the APG community. Uh, we a bit. have, okay. The problem is, so Liz keeps asking us to get closer together because we're out of the picture if you're not watching the video. The problem is that these chairs that we're sitting in have armrests. So this is literally as close as we can get to each other in these chairs. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Move you out of the <laughs> out of the uh, screen. Yeah, I should have brushed my hair before I started the show. Oh, well. Jeez, I know. <laughs> That's, better. That's better though. Okay, here we go. Here, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> okay, shall we start over? Yeah, yeah. Sure. from okay. the beginning. All right, here we go. You're listening to the. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Um, so anyway, community members um, Micah and Captain Craig. Uh, Captain Craig on a layover up in uh, Portland, Maine, and that's where uh, Micah, our main man, lives. Portland, a beautiful city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they got together and had a little mini meetup. And uh, Micah recorded some audio and sent it to me. And then we'll, I think I put a, I put this over, one of those overlays. Yep, uh, yeah, it. okay, very I'm good. Ready. So here we go. I'm going to play the audio feedback from Micah and Captain Craig. I'm going to play it right now. <laughs> there we go. Hello, Captain Jeff, Captain Nick, Miami Rick, and of course the lovely Dr. Steph, and hello to the APG community. This is your main man, Micah. It's been a long time since I've been here, but that's because I didn't have anything to say or anyone to bring you. But today, I'm coming to you live from the Runway Restaurant in Lymington, Maine. That's Airport 63B, and I'm here with a special guest. It's your favorite Acme Regional pilot. It's Captain Craig. Hey, uh, APG community. It's uh, Captain Craig here. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, Beautiful day here in uh, Portland, Maine. Uh, About to enjoy a wonderful uh, brunch here with uh, Micah, like you said, at the Runway Restaurant. And uh, got in pretty late last night and uh, was able to sleep in and uh, get some lunch and... uh, Looking forward to the camaraderie, good food, and uh, aviation talk. I see a poster over here of a big uh, cock. Uh, it's a poster of a 172 cockpit, and you know I learned to fly on that, so that's bringing back some memories of uh, just starting my journey. And uh, now I'm here, almost 4,000 hours flying a regional jet around the United States. So uh, come a long way, and uh, just uh, enjoying the day here. Thanks for bringing me here, Micah. Well, you know, it's been really special because before this crazy pandemic happened, the last restaurant I went to was when you and I went out and ate outside at the El Rodeo. Now, you were here last week, and the first restaurant I went to again after this ended, and it's finally over, was with you, and we went to Becky's Diner, and you managed to get back this week, and here we are at the Runway Restaurant in Lymington, Maine. 
Let me ask you a question because since you've been on APG, there's been some things that have been happening for you. Is there something going on with uh, is it the Air Reserve or the National Guard? Uh, that'd be the Air National Guard. Um, I was hired by the 167th out of Martinsburg, West Virginia, and uh, just waiting on some paperwork. Uh, those of you in the United States know how slow the government can be sometimes, so uh, just waiting on some blessings blessings from some people higher up, and then uh, once I get all the paperwork straight now, it should be able to go to officer training school and then uh, undergraduate pilot training and eventually fly the C-17 for the Air National Guard. That's wonderful. The, any chance that you and Major Rick will end up being able to fly together, or are you in different outfits? Uh, we are in different outfits, so uh, we might be able to see each other along the way, but not sure if we'll be able to share the cockpit with each other. Well, that's about all we have to say, APG community, but we thought we would come by and say hello, let you know about this great restaurant here at the Lymington Harmon Airport, 63B. It's not part of an FBO, but it's a destination that people fly into all the time. The runway restaurant's open from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. That's all great breakfast, nice lunches, all homemade, and food's on the way, so we can't wait to, can't wait to have some. So good speaking with you, and Craig, thanks for coming with me. Anytime, Mike. I love uh, coming to see you here in Portland. It's uh, always a great time. And this show is sponsored by, what was the name of the restaurant? <laughs> that restaurant. The Runway, runway restaurant? restaurant? The Rest- Runway <laughs> Restaurant. That is difficult the to say. Restaurant. All right. Very good. Uh, very. Oh, and by the way, there is a, I think there's a law against Captain Craig and, and uh, uh, Colonel is it Colonel? Major. Major Bell. <laughs> I just wow. Uh, wow. upgraded him, promoted him to Colonel. General Bell. <laughs> General Bell. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's just the head of all the armed forces yeah, in the United States at yeah. this point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the joint, uh-huh. joint Chiefs joint of Staff, Chief staff yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, he's way up there. <laughs> anyway, there's a rule. That's scary. There is a – it is scary. There, uh, there is a rule against uh, Craig and uh, Rick from – See, this is why Rick is so senior. He's got he's a very strategic thinker. This is what he's saying. Yes, we've noticed um, Rick's strategic thinking in the chat room. Oh, what is he thinking? Oh, the Jeff same is sit in Steph's lap. I could do that, but I don't know. Uh, might be a little uncomfortable for you. Yeah. Yeah. Might be uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure. Well, I think okay. Just move in. <laughs> I Okay. All right. You're doing, you're doing okay. Okay. You're doing okay. All right. All right. Okay. <sighs> this show is a, a really a, a big train wreck. <laughs> it's That's, almost over. Okay. It's almost over. Yeah. Hang in there. Another like. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Let's do some feedback. And I, let me play. The oh, feed- that's fine. I don't, I'm not going to talk about. Oh shoot. <laughs> Wait a minute. Was there anything else? On my list of things to talk. Oh, I had a. Uh, I, I did the trip. Finished up the trip uh, that I was on last week when I was recording, and um, yeah, the whole four day trip, uh, no reroutes, so worked out well. And then um, the um, over the weekend, did my standard stuff, and then here I am again on a four day trip. Charlotte layover, obviously today. Houston tomorrow. Augusta, Georgia, on uh, Wednesday. And then back to Atlanta early on Thursday morning. That was a nice trip. And yeah, that's all. all Starting to feel like Groundhog's Day. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Let me, what am I doing next week? 
The same thing. The same thing. <laughs> oh, I have no idea what you're doing next week. While you're Probably. looking that up, I'll okay. talk about what I yeah, did this me, week because there's not that much. Um, it hasn't even been that long since we recorded the last show, I don't think. Was it Wednesday? No, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Wednesday? Yeah, it was Wednesday. Wednesday, the two of us were together. So, yeah. um, not quite a full week. On Friday, I did some skydiving of my own. So that was fun. Good to get back in the air. It's the first time I've done some full altitude jumps in a while. So I did three of those and turns out I am out of shape for doing that stuff because my lower back muscles were quite sore afterwards from arching. Hmm. Um, flew a little bit on Saturday, flew a little bit on, no, didn't fly at all on Sunday. We had some pretty nasty weather this weekend here in the Charlotte area. It was a tropical, um, well, it was a tropical uh, it storm. It was a tropical storm and then it was not a tropical storm. And then Down it became river. a tropical storm again before it moved off the Claudette, coast. Oh, Claudette. Claudette. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so we had just a lot of rain from it mostly, um, but it kind of moved in afternoon-ish on Saturday and that kind of, that put the kibosh on all the sky activities for the weekend. So it was fun while it lasted and um, always fun. Um, I was flying on Saturday. Armando um, from Plane Talking UK was also flying on Saturday. Always fun to hear each other's voices on Funny. frequency. So, yeah, it was good. Very cool. It's always good to get up there and fly around, right? Poke some holes in the sky. Poke some holes mm-hmm. in the sky. Okay. Um, looks like next week for me, um, I, I start on a Tuesday, uh, but I do <laughs> – I'm going to be here in Charlotte again. I told um, you you were going to be here in yeah. Charlotte. I, I have a crush He's on Steph. Stalk, yeah. He's stalking yeah. me. Please help. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody help. Are you blinking Blink again? twice, Steph. No, she's blinking twice again. <laughs> I'm blinking a lot. I was hoping it meant something to somebody somewhere. She's, she's blinking SOS. Police are on the way. <laughs> I'm starting to pick up this. Uh, okay. Uh, and then the second day, I'm in uh, Augusta, Georgia again. And then the third day, Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach. Woo-hoo. All right. Woohoo. And then, um, and then the last day. Oh, the last day is a hard, my my hard day. Go to Atlanta and then do a Charleston turn. Actually, and then that's back before noon. That's not terrible. Pretty easy, really. Myrtle Beach, Atlanta, Charleston, yeah. Atlanta. My hard day. Yeah. Well, Liz has a lot of empathy and sympathy for me. Mm-hmm. Not. No. Okay. Uh, that's it for uh, anything else. No. All right. We should yeah. move on to some feedback we because we've only that. got like fifteen minutes left oh, of this part of the show. Them. Really? Yeah, do. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dang it! I can't Third, believe that. Eight. Really? How is it that? Is forty-five minutes. How is it that we that time flies so darn quickly You've when been we're doing yabbering this? on about stuff? <laughs> yabbering on about stuff. Thank you, Liz. Gosh, she's so nice to us. She's mm. blunt. Very. So, if you're watching the video and you want to hear all the lovely comments that Liz is making, not all of them. I can't actually put all of them mm. on the podcast. Don't go there. Yeah, uh, but a lot of them. Uh, a lot of the snarky comments, I mean, lovely, supportive comments that Liz makes in our little in-ear monitors. Uh, check out the audio-only podcast as well. Then you'll be entertained by Liz, who thinks she's a comedian, apparently. All right, here we go. Captain, incoming message. Okay. Let's do number six. This is an yes. interesting one from a fellow North Carolinian. Indeed. Oh, or Carolinian. You're not really a North Carolinian. I'm South Carolinian. Cackalackian. South Carolinian. Cacalac- they're both Cackalackians. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deanna 
Uh, she sent this in. I checked an item off the bucket list and took an aerobatic flight in a T-6 Texan. That's so super cool. This was my first time at the controls of an aircraft in over a year since I stopped training in early 2020. I had a blast. I took Adramamine beforehand since I have a history of motion sickness. The instructor did the takeoff and then handed me the controls. I'd never used a control stick or flown in a tailwheel. We went up to 6,000 feet. I had some doubts about how I'd handle a stick versus the yoke. Joke. Insert joke there. But I have to say, I loved that stick. Nope. Insert it right there. In there. Yeah, that's that's where you insert it. <laughs> we did a... <laughs> what she said. Like, sorry. Oh, sure. sorry, Deanna. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We're having fun with that. We did a couple of wingovers, some aileron rolls, and a barrel roll. After the maneuvers were demonstrated, I did a few wingovers and a couple of aileron rolls of my own. It was incredibly easy, and the aircraft was so responsive to my inputs. I had hoped to experience a spin since I never did one in training, but intentional spins are prohibited in the aircraft. The instructor said that they require a lot of altitude to recover, and they will not recover on their own. She said, I did, a, I did very well, and she could tell that I had experience. During the safety briefing, she talked me through what to do if we needed to bail out in four simple steps, which I'm sure would not be stressful at all if we were cartwheeling toward the earth <laughs> with gravity determined to cause our demise. I laughed really hard the first time I read that, Deanna, although it's definitely a serious thing. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Steph, tell us, what, what are these four simple steps? Number one, yeah. open the canopy. Oh, yeah. Number two, release the seatbelt. Mm, yeah. Number three. Step out onto the wing. That might be the a that's hard the one. tricky part, especially if you're cartwheeling and or spinning <laughs> yeah, or doing you're going to do it. I, that, actually, that's what made me laugh. I went, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> Number four, jump as far away from the aircraft as uh, possible, particularly the spinny limb severy thing in front. <laughs> yes, yeah. please, please. Otherwise, far away propeller. Propeller, please stay far away from the propeller. That yeah, thing. that big thing. Right. Bonus there. step five: manually deploy the parachute if it doesn't deploy on its own. Mm. Good. Self-deploying parachutes. Good point. Good okay. point. Yeah. She said, she explicitly said, if I say to bail out, do immediately. Don't ask why. Just go. I know some people question everything and refuse to obey authority, but I'd be hard-pressed to imagine anyone saying, bail out, you say? I don't just blindly obey. Give me one good reason. <laughs> uh, not going to do it. Yeah. Oh, I guess I should do it. Okay. Anyway. Thank you for what you do. Every week, I look forward to my favorite podcast, and then I listen to yours. <laughs> no, she didn't say that. I look forward to my favorite podcast. Then when it's over, I listen to APG Blue Skies and Tailwinds. Keep the blue. Oh, wait. Oh, she was making the joke. She did. I just blew her joke. You did. Okay. And Try it, that again. And, and I think there's a piece of punctuation missing here. So let me, um, let me add that. Okay. That'll help me read it. Okay. Anyway, thank you for what you do. Every week, I look forward to my favorite podcast. Then, when it's over, I listen to APG. Yes. <laughs> so, oh, do oh, oh, oh. so do we. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> blue skies and tailwinds keep the blue side up unless you're doing aerobatics. And have a great day. Deanna Tickle. And uh, she sent that in to us on the 9th. Oh, P.S. Postscript. Just wanted to add on that today. I had another aviation first. I took a splash-and-go seaplane ride to Lake Dora. I got to take the controls for a bit as well. I would definitely do it again. Where's Lake Dora? I have no idea. Oh, okay. Must be in 
North. Uh, I, I don't honestly know. I'll she's bet. in the she's in the chat room, so she'll probably tell me oh. faster than I can look it up. Um, Deanna. Yeah, you walked right into that joke. Sorry, Deanna, I blew it for you. It's in Florida. It's in Florida. Oh, Florida. So, so that plane oh, okay. she was doing the aerobatics on would be known as a Harvard up here, I believe. Is that oh, right? yeah, yeah, that's true, I think. Um, the Texan, the T-6 Texan, uh, Liz is asking about the airplane. She said, isn't that the same airplane that they refer to as the Harvard, the Harvard, uh, up in uh, Canada? And I think that is correct. I think that's true. Yes, and community member Mike Lawrence. Mike Lawrence, community member. Um, yeah, he's very involved in an or, an organization there in Canada, right? The Harvard, correct. what is it called, the Liz? Harvard, oh, okay, Harvard the Historical uh, Association Har- or something Har- like that. Uh, The Harvard Historical Situation or something like that. Association? Situation. Association. Liz said it correctly, and then Jeff just took it and like morphed it into this whole other thing. I'm just like out of out of sorts today. For After we're reason. done here, I'm going to make sure Jeff has a good beer and maybe some more food. I'm not sure. I, I need think, food. I think I have need probably some. a low glucose mm. situation here for your brain today. Um, I wasn't going to say anything before, but you know. Well, Glad he's not flying tonight. Well, she was she was doing the old uh, what what do they call that the fast um, the the oh intermittent thing. fasting oh yeah no no no. The thing no, that, no, you, the, that you do for stroke? Uh, for stroke. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> <Face>. <laughs> yeah. I forget what all of it is. Yeah. It's face, Jeff, arms, the correct, speech, Jeff, the time. correct name is the Canadian Harvard Aircraft Association. The correct name is the Canadian Harvard Aircraft Association. Thank Glad you. we got that correct, finally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Liz. Okay. Um, well, speaking of animals. Go ahead. Yes. We weren't. But yeah, yeah. That was a nice segue. Thank you. Yeah. I tried. Okay. Well, we have a couple in a row yeah. about animals. Um, mm. This one's from James. And he says, Hi, Jeff, Steph, Nick, Rick, and of course, Liz. Hope you're all keeping well. Just found this on Vast Aviation YouTube and thought it would be a fun one to play on the show. I guess it's a little early for Thanksgiving. As always, thanks to you for the awesome show. Keep the blue side up. James Mack from sunny Kent, England. Sunny? Okay, sure. Hmm. Um, but anyway, there's it's a... It's always sunny in Kent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, well, we got a video yeah, to play Well, yeah, I'm going to play the video, Liz. I just have to figure out where where I put it. I can't help with this part, Liz. I'm sorry. I have to <laughs> oh, wait no, for... No, I know you can't, Steph. I just was curious. Yes. Uh, oh, look. I even have... I actually prepared for this. I'm surprised, <laughs> actually. Okay, here we go. And it's probably going to be very noisy, so let me uh, get ready for this. Okay, open. Fast aviation, real aviation communications. Uh, okay. Uh, hey, just wanted to say I love watching your channel. He's talking about the uh, Vast Aviation channel. Oh, shoot. Why? Right, I got to re. Okay, hang on. Um, okay, I have to pause it. I- Excuse me. Oh, the beer is coming out. <laughs> The CO2 from the beer. Sorry. I'm a student pilot and love hearing all the various situations. I feel like uh, it has taught me a lot. I saw your recent Gator video, and I wanted to send you a funny ATC recording we had down here in Florida. I was with my instructor at KISM. I think that's Kissimmee. Kissimmee. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right now, in front of everybody? Mm. Okay. <laughs> uh, doing, doing my run-up for Runway 33. When a turkey wandered out onto the runway, after it was reported, another pilot attempted a low approach to scare the turkey off, and it didn't care at all. I attached the audio. It's on Live ATC, March 30, 1300. Okay, so that's the setup. So I'm going to hit play. Where's all that noise coming from? Is this from this? 
Yeah, I think it's coming from my computer, that fan. It's coming from your computer. I hate that. Hopefully, I'll be alleviating, alleviating that soon. Okay, here we go. So now we're going to play the rest of the video. Or the. 6519 Julie, can I take ground point 7 off the runway? Ground point 7, 5196. There is a push at the south foot on the runway. Well, thank you. We'll send somebody out for that. Thank you. Tower, 3-3 Juliet Sierra, we're midfield, left downwind, runway 3-3. Tower, 3-3 clear touch and go. Use caution, uh, done reported a turkey at 1,000 foot mark on the runway. We'll look out for the turkey. Thank you. We're here for runway 3-3, 3 Juliet Sierra. Juliet Sierra, traffic is right on the center line. Even the turkey's right on the center line. <laughs> Tur- turkey traffic, I like it. You're used to following those in the pattern, right? Definitely. <laughs> now, did you want to over the ground? Affirmative. Uh, contact ground. He's going to have some vehicles heading uh, out to get the turkey, so contact ground points up. Oh, good, thanks. Now, do you want a three Juliet here to try to scare it off with a low pass? A three Juliet here? Yeah, you can, uh, if, you, if you want to, then uh, just use caution. Yeah, we'll use caution and we'll try it. Okay, so uh, Juliet Sierra makes a low pass over the runway. That is the most cold, stone cold turkey. We flew right over him, and he's like, meh. <laughs> yeah, saw that. He, he didn't. Uh, he didn't do much but flap his wings a little. <laughs> didn't even care. Sorry about that. Oh, thanks for trying. Appreciate it. Uniform Kissimmee Tower, only 3 3 clear for takeoff traffic. There is uh, a turkey. It looks like he's moved off the center line now to uh, to the west a little bit, right around the 1,000 foot mark. Use caution for that. And only 3 3 clear for takeoff. Clear for takeoff, only 3 3. Turkey traffic in sight. Three Julius here, runway three three, clear touch and go. Looks like the turkey's moved off the runway now. Wonderful. Clear touch and go, runway three three, four three three Julius Sierra. Okay. I think that is it. Reminds me of flying one time and um I think this was up at Concord here in the, the Charlotte area and coming in the traffic ahead of us, um notified tower that on short final there was a huge flock of birds. Is exactly how they said it. So it was repeated back to us to use caution for the huge flock of birds <laughs> on short final. <laughs> huge. Huge. Now, was it a flock of huge birds or a huge flock? No, of a birds? huge flock of birds. Oh, okay. Number of wise, quite, ah, quite a few. Okay. Um, and those turkeys on the runway in Kissimmee must be taking notes from the deer on my driveway here in oh. Kakalaki because they don't care. They will stand there and stare at you and watch you drive by. And you'll <laughs> remember last episode. In fact, the. Oh. That was something that we – we'll talk about the uh, cover art on the uh, Getting the ah, Noah's yes. tomorrow because Nick can kind of tell us about his thought process and how he came up with that. But we had the uh, the um, video that uh, the guys were talking about – or no, it was that um, – it wasn't a video. It was a feedback that somebody talked about all the um, the deer eyes. Yes, the, the 200 run- pairs like 200, of eyes staring back at them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> deer on the runway. Anyway. So, yes, thank yeah. you, Larry Gregory. I was thinking that as well. With God as my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. I it's thought a, so, too. It's yeah. a quote from WKRP oh. in Cincinnati. Oh, oh yeah, the, old, the, turkey the turkey drop, drop episode. <laughs> that was one of the classics. Those can't be skydivers. I can't tell just yet what they are, but... Oh, my God, they're turkeys! Oh, Johnny, can you get 
windfall. They're crashing to the earth right in front of my eyes. Why don't you go the windshield of a parked car? running around pushing each other oh my goodness oh the humanity oh, people are running about oh, the turkeys are hitting the ground like sacks of wet cement as god is my witness i thought turkeys could fly that was a great if you've never watched wkrp in cincinnati you really should i'm sure you can find it on youtube or something Maybe. i yeah i think you can find that episode um yeah. okay uh, she's telling us that we have five minutes left, Steph. Okay. Uh, do we... Um, well, the next one, 11. More, oh, more animals. Okay, more animals. You're starting to see a theme here, aren't you? Um, Andrew... <laughs> oh, this, I'm sorry. It's from Andrew. Okay, hang on. <laughs> that You're looks very, better. I'm just going to start calling you Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Because you'll just, just read, read whatever what, is on the well, screen. You know, I, I hesitated. I did. You know, you saw that I stopped. I did see and your I went, hesitation. Wait a minute. That's not right. Okay. Andrew sent us this. Um, a massive. Well, here. I'll just start reading what he told us. Told us. Hey, crew. Longtime listener here from Sydney, Australia. Actually, I'm a Kiwi living in Australia, but meh. That's another story. Not sure if you've seen this video, but I thought I would send the link on anyway. We sure don't do things by halves here in Australia when it comes to wildlife. And here's the proof. Okay, so that means I need to share another video. It might take more than five minutes. That's okay. Uh, video file and spider. Boom. This is teaser. It's a big spider. I actually have not watched this video. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's taking video of an airplane, like a 172 or something, landing. I'm not sure what kind of airplane, but anyway, it doesn't matter. You can't really tell because it's not much It's a huge huntsman spider. And I think must, you should play that one more time. Okay, let me like, do it again. In case you didn't well, quite you know, I thought And was, if, you're, if you're listening to the audio only, you have to go back and watch the video of this because it is difficult to describe how large this spider actually Very large. is it's enormous it's like five I've, centimeters or something like, like that. the size of your hand yeah easily um okay and what i think is funny is the fact that instead of screaming they're laughing they're laughing these australians <laughs> they're not like phased. oh look it's a cute spider <laughs> that's so cute <laughs> okay, oh go. maybe we should land the airplane here we go again it's like a tarantula sized spider that's the skull horn right before touchdown. And then it falls <laughs> off of the ceiling. Like, it's about a bumpy landing. Well, I'm sure they were slightly distracted. Yeah. Maybe. And they're just trying to find where the spider dropped to. Dropped on his leg, I think. Yeah, it fell down onto the floor. I would be out of that plane so fast. I would have pulled off the runway, like, cut the mixture and jumped out and, like, let someone go into... Some exterminator. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if that is like a poisonous spider. I have no idea. Huntsman spider? Yeah. Just looking it up. Liz is researching for us. We're unfamiliar with these. Yeah. Uh... Wait, hang on. Staff! Look up Huntsman spider. Uh, giant crab spiders is what they're also sometimes called. Yeah. Um, venom is low risk, non toxic to humans. They're a non aggressive group of spiders. 
However, a large individual can give a painful bite. I would imagine. Well, Beware in the sub- oh, they're in the southern U.S. Oh, they're in the southern U.S. I have US. never Yikes. seen a spider that looks like Oops. that. Sorry. Didn't I just to want to hear that guy to... laugh again. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'm with, oh, I'm with the... I'm with Rick. Oh, Big no. Old, nope. We're sorry, Deanna. She's traumatized. <laughs> she said she would have bailed out of that airplane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She would have followed those four and optional fifth step. Yeah. Yes. Although I don't think they're out a, onto the wing away from the spinny. Don't think they had a parachute thing. in that airplane, though. But she'd probably jump out anyway. <laughs> Not in the, well, that one or whatever it was, with yeah. like 15 feet off the ground. Hmm. <laughs> well, that, we're going to end it on that. Uh, our, our animal themed feedback um, so far on episode four, seven, eight. And stay tuned for the rest of the show where. Hopefully, I'll have Captain Nick and Miami Rick joining me, and that's going to be tomorrow. So, And it's going to be super polished and Oh, yeah. I mean, it's got to be better than this one. Really? Yeah. So, I had a good time, though. I did, too. Fun. I did. All right. Well, that um, with that, we're going to bid you adieu and say thank you for watching. Make sure you subscribe and click the bell and subscribe to the podcast and leave five-star reviews. And then go over to um, Opposing Bases and give them um, one-star reviews. No, don't do that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. That's not a good thing. And uh, someone tomorrow will have to tell you about the social medias because I'm not going to do it now. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, maybe Rick can do that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. He's pretty good at that. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. I'll help him with And Liz, Liz always helps with her little things that she pops up into the screen. Anyway. Scooby-Doo ending? Yeah. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> All right. That's it. So... Bye. Bye. What the hell is Scooby doing? Good call. Well, looky here. Look, look who's joined us on episode four seventy-eight. A day late and a dollar short. We have from his hotel studio in Big D Little Double L A. A world traveler. Airplane mechanic, Breitling Cognoscenti, fitness hound, and international air freight captain. It's Miami Rick. Leaving home out on the road. I've been down that road before. Yes, I have. Took me back to Dallas this time uh, through uh, some uh, summertime CB flying. But it's always a good day out here. Happy to be back. Excellent. Glad that you're back with us and also joining us from way across the pond. In his studio. In Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire. Professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airlines. It's Captain Nick. Well, hi there, Jeff, and uh, hi, Rick. Uh, lovely to be uh, back on the show. Looking forward to a good one. And being the true gentleman we are, we let the ladies go first. Wait a minute. Are you referring to me as one of the ladies? I, I get what well, you're doing the, there. If the high heels fit. <laughs> Thank you. You noticed. You like my calves in those heels, don't you? <laughs> All right. Oh, we're already starting off in the gutter. All right. Let's, note number three. Uh-oh. Liz is making a lot of notes uh, for HR. So we got to try to clean up our act here. So... Why don't we do it? So uh, just to remind you, well, if you're listening to the 
podcast, you already know this because it was not that long ago that I mentioned that uh, the first half or not even half first part of this uh, show is with uh, Steph and myself. And this now the second half or part two of the show is with my male counterparts and we are going to talk about some news that we didn't talk about on part one. So here we go. Stand by for news. All right. Uh, Sky, this is from uh, Salmon Ratke's uh, Aviation Herald. Uh, a Sky Express Greece Avion de Transport Regional ATR 72-212 Alpha. It. Thank you. Registration. Uh, Sierra X-Ray Tango Hotel Romeo performing flight 293 from Alexandropolis to Athens, Greece, had taxied into takeoff position when the crew reported a hydraulic problem and decided to return to the apron. After returning to the apron, the crew shut the engines down. And then the aircraft rolled away uncontrolled without brakes, impacted a ground unit, and became immobilized. The Greek AAIASB reported there were no injuries. However, the aircraft sustained substantial damage. The occurrence was rated an accident and is being investigated. So I need to find my sound effect that uh, it would be appropriate here. Uh, I'm just going to ask, uh, the AAIASB, does that mean the Andropolis to Athens Incident Aviation Safety Board? You nailed it. That would be (laughs) It's a special board that he convened. (laughs) Just this one route. To that one incident. uh, Fair enough. They only come out to work, you know, it's very rare, and this, yeah, this is their yes, time get, pay, so, uh, get paid a lot. They don't uh, get a lot of work. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, I don't know. This is an interesting one. This is a. Uh, I. I. Uh, I had no. Uh, I had no idea. Well, I don't know. I've never blown, flown an flown an ATR. Um, is do, do these not have uh, brake accumulators or uh, hmm. any kind of uh, device that would uh, you know preclude this from happening? You would think. Or or, or chocks. Yeah, the simplest tool known to man. Uh, that's a, a mechanical item that uh, is very handy and yes. <laughs> usually used every time. Uh, I know that at, at Acme Air, um, before we release the brakes, we all are always given the signal for chocks in. And uh, once we receive that, then we are very careful to ensure that once we release the brakes, that it might roll a little bit, you know, a couple inches mm-hmm. one way or another just to kind of settle into the chalk. But then you continue to look outside and make sure that the airplane is not going to continue rolling. Because sometimes uh, it's, it's uh, what's, the, what's the word? Um, uh, it creeps up on you, like boiling a frog. Um, Gradual. No, it's another <laughs> word that uh, is really a good word. Uh, insidious maybe um, that, uh, you know, you could be on a very slight incline or decline and uh, it may take some time for the airplane to actually start rolling and uh, so you have to be very careful about that that's why uh, our at acme we've uh, gotten special um, uh, stress um, emphasis on making sure that the airplane doesn't roll more than just a little slight bit and that the chocks are indeed in place 
Yeah, exactly for, right. for us, it's one of our walk around checks when before we go before we go flying, so that when we start engines, we know the aircraft uh, securely chocked. And uh, you know, if uh, you have the facility, when you leave the aircraft, you know the captain should really be glancing back to make sure everything looks right, including there are some chocks in. Exactly right. Again, well, the reason why we we you know we, we park and then once the chocks are in, we release the brakes is because this aids in the brakes getting cooler. Because um, if you have the brakes on and the brakes, are, you know the the the, the shoes uh, constantly making contact with the with the brake disc itself, and then it's going to take a little longer for those brakes to get cool. And uh, remember, uh, you might only be on an hour, hour and a half turnaround, and it usually takes about. Um, at least on, on, on the Boeing's that I've flown, you have a, a system called a BTMS, a brake, brake temperature monitoring system. And uh, it goes on a scale from uh, zero to nine, zero being cool brakes, nine being, you know, you know, very, very odd brakes indeed. Um, and uh, th- this system um, gives you a starts to give you an accurate reading on your brake temperature at about the 15 to 20 minute mark. So you got to let the system kind of, um, uh, start interpreting the amount of energy that those brakes had to um, absorb to stop the aircraft. That takes about 20 minutes. And then once you get to your uh, brake uh, temperature index, I guess, you know, uh, one, two, three, four, five, or whatever it was, uh, it usually takes between 10 and 15 minutes for each one of those numbers to go to the lower one. So if you, if you, if you ended up with brakes at three, you can anticipate yeah. about... 30 to 45 minutes of a cooling time to get the brakes back down to zero, which is important because if you have a, uh, a takeoff reject scenario, uh, you need those brakes cool, and cool brakes are a lot more effective than hot brakes. So uh, that's that's something to keep in mind there. The other thing is uh, talking about a, a, a brake accumulator, and basically all that is is um, it's a device that looks like a big... Uh, like a big uh, metal ball, right? And that, um, and that is uh, that half of it is it's divided by a, um, I guess, uh, be rubber. I guess rubber, some kind of divider, yeah, like a rubber membrane. Inside. Yeah, that exactly right. That keeps that keeps um, nitrogen on one side and hydraulic fluid on the other side. And uh, it precharges whenever you pressurize the hydraulic system that's responsible for actuating the brakes, and so that when you depressurize that hydraulic system which is part of this shutdown procedure um, that pressure that precharged pressure is what's used to keep the brakes uh, the parking brake set uh, problem with that is that as time progresses uh, that uh, that the pressure starts to decrease and it gets to the point where yeah the parking brake might be set but the pressure to hold the brakes might not be there anymore and that's why at least at, uh, at my my outfit we uh, this is a brand new procedure where if you go up to the airplane and you see that the accumulator pressure is low um, under certain conditions you have to uh, coordinate with ground personnel to repressurize the hydraulic system bring the pre-charge back to 3000 psi so that the brakes can be set if you need to so yeah, it's particularly uh, important if you're doing a pushback because uh, during the pushback, if you haven't started engines uh, and obviously don't have hydraulics usually powered by the APU, 
The only thing that's uh, going to be able to stop the aeroplane if the tug uh, sort of breaks the tow bar or has a, a problem and the uh, guy on the ground says, put your brakes on, is the accumulator. So one of the last things we do on our aircraft, exactly the same as uh, Rick does, is before we commence pushback, uh, you know, during our cockpit checks, we have a look at the brake accumulator and if necessary, we engage the electric pump for the green system, which powers it up, that pressure re-energizes the accumulator so it's set and ready for, for for your pushback have you guys ever um on your walk around um heard what it sounds like when you have a leaky um, accumulator no okay. listen carefully no. i don't know if, no. if you're going to be able to hear this or not <laughs> and that is actually on the book that's uh it's a straight out of the aircraft maintenance manual uh, yeah um, and yeah. uh, chapter thirteen, which is hydraulics, <laughs> and that is uh, that that actually is ATA chapter thirteen is hydraulics. Which, uh, look it up; it's on there somewhere. An actual so, recording, right there. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any, anything else to say? Yeah, I would imagine that uh, somebody is going to have some explaining to do on this one as well, uh, because somebody should have had that thing shocked, obviously, especially after yep. <laughs> returning to the apron with a hydraulics problem. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Oh, well, maybe they don't understand how the brake system works. It was all Greek to yeah. them. It was all Greek to them, Liz adds. <laughs> Bam. Let's nice. see, that deserves a... There we go. All right, let's move on to the remaining item in the news notebook. Oh, yeah, here we go with this again. Okay, this was sent in by um, a listener named Nigel, and... <laughs> Nigel, <laughs> Nigel, 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 uh, Nigel Demery, our good friend and APG community superstar. Um, let's see. This was from uh, the One Mile at a Time blog. Uh, exclusive Cathay working with Airbus on single pilot system for long haul flights. And uh, let's see here. Uh, Paris, June 16th. Reuters, Cathay Pacific is working with Airbus to introduce reduced crew long-haul flights with a sole pilot in the cockpit much of the time, industry sources told Reuters. The program, uh, program uh, known with Airbus as Project Connect, aims to certify its A350 jet for single pilot operations during high-altitude crews starting in 2025 on Cathay passenger flights, the sources said. High hurdles remain on the path to international acceptance. Once cleared, longer flights would become possible with a pair of pilots alternating rest breaks instead of the three or four currently needed to maintain at least two in the cockpit. That promises savings for airlines amid, amid uncertainty over the post-pandemic economics of intercontinental flying. But it's likely to encounter resistance from pilots, <laughs> you think, already hit by mass layoffs and safety concerns about aircraft automation. Lufthansa has also worked on the single-in-pilot uh, program, but currently has no plans to use it, a spokesman for the German carrier told Reuters. Cathay Pacific Air Airways confirmed its involvement, but said no decision had been made on eventual deployment. While we were engaging with Airbus in the development of the concept of reduced crew operations, we have not committed in any way to being the launch customer, the Hong Kong carrier said. They said, although, they added, uh, getting rid of these darn pesky pilots would be a bonus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they didn't really say that. No, I added that. 
Uh, commercial implementation would first require extensive testing, regulatory approval with pilot training with absolutely no compromise on safety, Cathay said. What what training would be necessary for pilots? Just do what you always do. It's just you're not going to have anybody here next to you or inside the cockpit Stay with you. Away. So if you uh, – Liz says somebody to keep you awake. Um but uh, so, yeah, if uh, make sure that uh, you don't have a heart attack or any other kind of a physiological problem and uh, everything is going to be just fine. Well, I'm guessing it would involve additional training, uh, single pilot uh, handling of emergencies such as depressurization, uh-huh. engine failures, um, multiple hydraulic failures, okay. all those sort of major problems. Uh, yep. But you'd normally be able to have two of you. Now you've only got one of you. Okay. I'm guessing. And that's my whole complaint about the whole thing. But you you finished with the story, Jeff. Oh no. That's that's enough of this. <laughs> Actually. Really? Yeah. Or should I should I read more? Do you want me to read? Well, more? I don't know. I, I think we got the gist of it. And of course, yeah. uh, I love it when they say uh the there's absolutely going to be no safety concerns uh, oh, no. and of course we're not doing it uh, to save money that's the only reason they're doing it exactly. no one right. wants to, but to reduce the number of uh, co- uh, pilots on the cockpit nobody mm-hmm. i'm sure not the passengers if you ask the average passenger would you rather ha- would you like to have one guy sitting up front driving this whole thing uh, or would you prefer two i'm pretty certain i know what their answer is going to i'd like to point out the article was written by a, a certain michael o'leary i didn't see that uh, byline yeah okay. so uh yeah. Like, no, so, uh, <laughs> no, i'm just kidding but uh, yeah nah. yeah i yeah i think this is a is a pipe dream but you know who knows? Oh, I, do, I, do, I think it's 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 you getting it's closer and closer, Jeff. Yeah. I, I think it eventually will, yeah. uh, and um, uh, it'll be a very sad day when it does. Not mm-hmm. just because, of course, you've just halved the number of pilots needed mm-hmm. to conduct a lot of these long haul flights, but uh, you, despite what all the airlines uh, will say, you will have uh, reduced the level of safety available on the flight deck because yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, when you are, they're right. When you're sitting in the cruise uh, doing very little, um, there's, you know, uh, no problem. They, they, one person could do it with one eye shut. You know, you really don't have a problem flying the airplane in cruise until something goes wrong. Right. Uh, and now we're talking. Uh, how do I handle the airplane with, say, uh, a major flight control malfunction, uh, major hydraulic, say, a simultaneous loss of two hydraulic systems, uh, or say I've just lost a hydraulic system? Uh, am I going to let this other guy go on break? And then what happens if I lose the second system and lose half the flight controls? Uh, how do I fly the airplane and deal with that? Or how do I deal uh, with a serious engine fault? How do I cope with flying over high terrain if we depressurize or have an engine failure and have to descend? So am I supposed to deal with the emergency, simultaneously pick the escape routes I need to stop from flying into the top of a mountain? There are just so many areas in the emergency scenario where you think to yourself, single pilot operations is never going to work. And I don't care whether they say they, the guy's going to be close and he can get back in a few minutes. Those mm. few minutes could be mm. vital. And I think uh, the end of this article, the, uh, one of the pilots' unions suggests that um, 
Airbus would have to make sure every situation can be handled autonomously without any pilot input for 15 minutes, and that could not be guaranteed. 15 mm. minutes is probably a bit of an overkill, perhaps 10 minutes, but already when we have pilots uh, returning from crew rest, they're not allowed to sit at the controls in my old outfit for 10 minutes because you you might have been deeply asleep mm -hmm. exactly uh, right. you you've come up you're you're not really aware of what's your surroundings just like as if you've woken up out of your bed and you uh, you're still you know half asleep still trying to work out what's going on that's not the time to be thrown into a major emergency and expect to be able to immediately fulfill your duties Exactly right. And you talk about, you know, that 10 minute mark there, Nick. I mean, you're talking about you're moving eight miles a minute. You're talking about 80 miles down the road uh, you know, and, and, and 80 miles. The topography around you might be very, very different. So this is what happens when you have bean counters writing procedures. No, just bean counters. <laughs> yes. Stick to bean counting. Leave the airplane yeah. flying to the operations department and just, you know, just <laughs> no offense to the bean counters, by the way. We no, need but, those I mean, people. No, but, we yeah. do need, but, uh, you know, come on. Uh, Crispo Palotto, uh, did we doubt them like this when they were talking about getting rid of flight engineers? I was not around yet when that happened. Oh, yes, we did. Yeah, well, flight engineers, all they did was sit around, drink coffee, and And, and complain that they seats. didn't have a window, you know, because they yeah, were flying exactly sideways right. the whole time. But, I uh, take offense <laughs> to that. I <laughs> take offense to, to that. They shuffle, shuffle the fuel around just to pretend they had a job, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this what? is someone who has never, I had a joke. <laughs> never been a flight engineer. <laughs> yeah, never flown a with a flight engineer, engineer certificate, by the way. <laughs> oh, you do? Yeah, somewhere in my uh, drawer at home. <laughs> don't that's a really good place it. to keep it, yeah, Jeff, in your drawers. <laughs> in your drawers is a good place to keep your flight engineer certificate. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah but they did. Uh, we, the pilot groups definitely put up a fuss uh, regarding the uh, uh, moving from a three-pilot crew to a two-pilot crew. Or a three crew member uh, situation with a flight engineer. Yeah, I think that's a little bit different situation. Uh, I think maybe not. I don't know. It's just that the, in the duties are so uh, essential when you've got uh, only two pilots and there's no third person on the flight deck to keep an eye on you. One of you has to fly the airplane and point it in a safe direction. And exactly. You cannot rely on the autopilot to do that for you because the very system, vital system that have failed might be the same vital system that powers the autopilot. It could be an electrical problem. It could be a hydraulic problem. But the autopilot, generally speaking in these major emergencies disconnects and leaves it up to you to fly the airplane that we would need a complete redesign of the entire uh, architecture i think of the aircraft systems for an autopilot to be able to adequately control the aircraft for every possible emergency that might affect its ability to fly so generally speaking you rely on the human to fly the airplane the other human has to sort out the problem and try and recover what is it, whatever's gone wrong you can't exactly. let one guy do that because you know you've only got two arms and two eyes you cannot Oh, excuse me, I'm waving. I'd be like an Italian. <laughs> Knocking things over. No, that is, that is, exactly right. True. No, aviation, no. aviation is about redundancy, and you're taking away a level of redundancy here. For Absolutely. A uh, hugely important one. Absolutely. And how many times, you know, on, on every flight, pretty much, uh, something that you have not noticed, uh, the other 
uh, crew member that you're with notices and you go, oh, good thing that there was somebody else here exactly. to, to catch that. Uh, what's that trap? That error, um, yeah. I think, is the term that uh, they like to use in safety. And, and we all know as captains what we like to be able to do in a lot of these difficult situations when you've got complex emergency is to remove ourselves from the intimacy of flying the airplane and trying to look at the overall picture of what's going on. So that requires the other guy to fly the airplane. Uh, and, um, you know, he concentrates on that and lets you step back for a second and have a good look <coughs> and think strategically about what your decisions are going to be. Exactly. That is that is Captain 101 right there. You know, you, you don't want to – you want to take a step back. You want to delegate and, and analyze and apply the correct procedure based on, when you're, on what you're able to analyze from the big, big picture. Not, you know, you don't have to worry about making sure that you're not hitting the ground. So I agree with you 100%. So uh, I have to say something here. Um, Hillel has made a, a very uh, great comment in the, in the uh, live – chat but my question really for hillel is what the heck are you doing in the live chat aren't you supposed to be getting ready for the uh slack uh thing going on a little bit later <laughs> yeah i guess maybe maybe he thinks he has time to get all that set up you know the shower and the whole thing anyway uh, he says these ideas come from people who don't understand complexity theory yeah that's true that's true. I don't understand complexity theory. It's too complex for me to understand what yeah, Lel just said. Yeah, someone define it for me? <laughs> but uh, main man Mike uh, asked a good question. He said, uh, do you feel the same way when you lost your wizzo? Um, well, uh, in military aircraft, uh, you're kind of generally taught to be a one-man band. Uh, so, you know, you're generally uh, you're expected to be able to fly the airplane and do everything, all the emergency, all in one go. But with that, we accept a reduced level of safety, one that's appropriate for military flying. That's not available to us and should never be available to us in civil flying. In civil flying, safety should be orders of magnitude greater because... You've got 350 or however many people behind you. Military flying, we've got the ultimate uh, escape clause, and that's to use the ejector seat if it all goes wrong. Uh, you know, you just don't do that. And people don't expect um, to have a reduced level of safety in civil flying. It's one of the things they rely on. I want to see 350 ejector seats going off at the hotel. Liz is Good. suggesting that she would like to see 350 ejection seats uh, installed on passenger airliners. <laughs> so would I. I'd yeah. use them during yeah. the flight and try and have a quiet trip. You know. Yeah, you go like, okay, what? Somebody, 10C, they're have they're yeah. they're causing issues. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell them just tell them to tighten their straps. Yeah. <laughs> just make just make sure you press 10C because you don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it, the wrong person out. So. Oh, oh, no. well. <laughs> wrong one. <sighs> All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for thanks for sending that in, Nigel. Thanks, Nigel. Thanks. Uh, Niggly. We call him Niggly. Niggly. Thank you, Niggly. All right. Well, with that, why don't we do this? It is Getting to Know Us, Part 2. <laughs> getting to like us and then some other words that I never seemed to be able to do correctly. Because you didn't do that last time either. I know. I know. <laughs> um, all right. 
so I would like to make one. Um, I, I wasn't sure of the uh, website address for jo uh, JP's um, Runway Card Company, and I have it for you now. It is RWY. Where'd it go? Darn it. <laughs> um, now I really have it. Runway Cards. So R-W-Y-C-A-R-D-S dot co. Not com, but co. C-O. So there you go. And again, is, is there not a country involved with that? Normally it's dot co dot UK. Yeah, or? I guess this must be some kind of a new okay. domain. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Anywho. Uh, so there. Got that uh, said. And um, let's get back over here to Evernote. And yeah, that's it from me. So let's hear from Captain Nick and get us up to date on how's everything going with the uh, the competition, the bowling competition. Oh, uh, well, uh, like most things in life, particularly if you're uh, used to aviation, uh, has its ups and downs. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've been doing very well. Uh, lost a couple of matches, won very tight. One uh, where I played abysmally and was appropriately slaughtered. So I walked away from that with my tail between my legs. But competitions continue. There's many more to go. I'm playing uh, in two major competitions tomorrow. And uh, we'll let you know eventually how those go on. Okay. Uh, other than that, I'm just having a wonderful time immersing myself in Plain Tales going back uh, over 100 years for uh, today's. Um, and generally speaking, although the weather has been foul for the last four or five days with torrential rain, uh, um, I've been enjoying the summer. It has been very nice to have a car you can take the roof down and uh, potter around. Very pleasant indeed. Very nice. All right. That's it, huh? Uh, not much else to say, really. Okay. Very good. Uh, and, you know, for me, it was just, you know, as I mentioned earlier in the show, just flying trips and doing my normal weekend singing. And that's pretty much it. Uh, Rick, how about yourself? What's what you've been up to? About the same. Mine is the weekend singing. Mm -hmm. um, I've been, uh, you know, I should flying, try it. <laughs> I don't have a singing voice. I yeah, wish I did. Yeah, well, a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, uh, last time, uh, I was, I was here in, uh, in, in Dallas last time as well. Uh, so I, uh, did, uh, I'm doing this, uh, same loop I did last week, uh, again. So, uh, after that flight from Dallas, I, uh, went on down to Tampa, uh, braving the elements down there. Um, and then from Tampa up to Rockford, uh, and then, uh, Rockford across the, um, the country back to Ontario, spent a day there and then started all over again, Ontario to Rockford. Then down here, and then tomorrow, Tampa, Rockford, Rockford, Ontario, and that'll be it uh, for uh, for this uh, uh, bidding period. Uh, the uh, new bid lines uh, came out, uh, was it uh, last week? So I put my bids in, see what we get uh, next month. Uh, we can we can bid either uh, 30 or 60-day lines. Um, I usually tend to go for the 60-day lines because it uh, gives you a, a clearer idea of what you, you know, it's better for planning you know, mm -hmm. stuff down the road. So, uh is there any negative know. to do in that? Um, Is it possible that something might come up in that second thirty-day period that, since you've already bid your schedule, you you don't ha you're not a, uh, able to bid for that? 
No, not not. I mean, no. not not in the kind of flying that I'm doing because okay. it's uh, you know, just just you know, although just the Amazon flying, it's it's not really. It, it's pretty much set in stone as 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 opposed to the 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 other type of flying I would do um, when I was on the seven four. It's a it's a, it's a lot more fluid. Now this stuff is uh, you know you just you know exactly where you're going when you're going to be. It's a lot more like a like a passenger type airline. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, from that point of view, it really, it, it really does help to, um, to, you know, plan ahead. And so, uh, so we'll see what we get here and, uh, that's it really. So, uh, go back, uh, to, uh, California. Uh, well, not, I'm going to have to go through Phoenix first because I have to you know go home and water the plants because the middle of the summer there. Um, and then, uh, get on uh, an airplane, uh, the following day, go over to, um, uh, Shell Beach. And then uh, go pick uh, Kaya and the puppies up, and then uh, drive on back to uh, Phoenix at some point. And uh, and you're referring to dogs when you say puppies. Yeah, puppies. Okay. Uh, the dogs. Three, uh, two, sure. uh, two German Shepherds and a puppy uh, Belgian Malinois. Oh, so uh, that's going to be an interesting. Uh, <laughs> an interesting. Uh, <laughs> Is that puppy bigger than the the your German Shepherds yet? No, no, but it's getting. She's Lucy <laughs> it's grown like grown like a weed. It's <laughs> yeah. just unbelievable, and she's uh, she's uh, full of it. full of energy. So uh, it's uh, that's it's great. Marvelous. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. you know what? I I forgot to mention Father's Day. Uh, oh, yeah. We just had Father's Day, oh, and okay. I got a, some lovely gifts from my boys. So I got some Zader from uh, one of my youngsters. They know me well, my what's, boys. What's Zader? Zader, Zader is. <laughs> Cider. Oh, in the oh, UK, okay, if sorry. you have cider, it's alcoholic <laughs> apple juice. It's really, you know, you buy apple juice or mm-hmm. cider. Right. I know it's uh, different over there. And um, the other one gave me a lot of lovely um, uh, IPAs. So, oh, nice. uh, for example, nice. well, we actually uh, do have apple cider that is non-alcoholic over here. Uh, uh, yes, I know. Hence the confusion. So oh, I remember that's that one, one of my okay. first trips. I went out and bought some cider, and I went. God <laughs> damn it! This cider's weak. Zero <laughs> percent alcohol content. What, the, <laughs> yeah. what is this? That's not cider. <laughs> <laughs> this stuff I've got actually is uh, sort of traditional scrumpy. So uh, um, scrumpy is the name they give for what would probably have been sort of homemade farm cider. Uh, you know, knocked up by the uh, the old farmer there and his wife uh, in in an old uh, you know bottle uh, or a, you know, cask or something, and, and uh, heavily fermented and a bit cloudy, and uh, you know you got pips in it and all that kind of stuff, and very strong uh, mm. and give you a very 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 bad headache the next day. Ooh. It's got to be the mm. sugar. It's got to be the sugar. Yeah, e- mm. kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably uh, all the impurities that yeah, used well. to happen, but no, this, this is proper. This is uh, and this is a more refined stuff. I can see through it for a start. So. There you go. Well, and it looks the same way coming out, apparently. So, uh, so. <laughs> yes, it does. There's some filtering going on. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, that's great. Anything else before we move on to the coffee fund? Not from here. All no, right. Sir. Let's do that right now. I got to talk to the people in the sound room. Mm-hmm. Coffee fun jingle, please. Thank you. Johnny, how much more coffee? Sure thing. I love coffee. I love tea. I love the APG community. Coffee and tea and the job and me. 
a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. That is Jeff Smith in Nashville, Tennessee, the jingle master. And he is singing to us about Java or coffee, coffee fun. That's our way, your way to support us financially if you so desire and if you have the means to do so. Yeah, a couple different ways to do that. Kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier in the show how uh, I prefer everybody move over to the second method. But uh, we have two methods. And the first is the um, APG Classic method. And since the last show, we have several use that to uh, help us out. And we have Sai Ho Yu, Alan Loveday, Scott Masters, Chris Randall, and David Lieb. And the other way, of course, is uh, to become a patron via patreon.com. And we have a new patron there. And this gentleman's name is, uh, he likes to call himself Papa Tango, but we know his real name's Peter Tarantelli. So thank you very much for becoming a producer, a patron of the show. And if you're interested in joining this fine group of folks, head over to airlinepilotguide.com slash coffee. You'll be glad you did. And, of course, we will, too. Captain, incoming message. All right, from Martinsville, Matt. Hello, airline pilot guys and gals. Here is a video that may interest some of the GA, general aviation pilots, uh, pilot guys in the listening audience. And it's a video link that he sent uh, on YouTube, and it is from the AOPA, airline, no, airline. (laughs) It's a very small organization, airline owners. There's three of them. Yeah. Uh, The um, Airplane Owners and Pilot. Pilots Association Air Safety Institute, and the video is called "The Runway Behind You." Yeah, in this video, the AOPA team, based in Frederick, Maryland, braved the 28 nautical mile journey to my home airport. This is Matt Martinsburg, Matt talking again. KMRB Kilo Mike Romeo Bravo to use our 8,800 foot runway and prove that the age old debate on the impossible turn has more than just one right and wrong answer. I believe this video highlights the importance of really knowing your aircraft's performance characteristics and limitations, as well as the value of frequently practicing emergency maneuvers in a safe environment. And I watched a very interesting video, and they go through, and as he said, uh, they they set up several different scenarios with different types of airplanes, and uh, you know, taking off straight ahead and then reaching a certain altitude, uh, turning back and making that U-turn, trying to land opposite direction on the runway from which they took off. And it was interesting and surprising in many ways to me. Uh, so definitely high re- highly recommend that you watch the video. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. Do you guys have a chance to take a look at this? Yep. Yeah, I, t- I took a look with great interest because uh, when we were QFIs, uh, finally flying a single-engine Hawk, um, we had a very formal set of parameters for attempting a turn back uh, in a Hawk if you took a bird uh, during the first, uh, you know, a few hundred feet of flight. Uh, and I can't remember exactly what the parameters were, but I'm going to guess it's something like uh, 500 feet and 180 knots or something like that. You had to have achieved both those parameters before you are allowed to attempt one. And what we did was to, assuming the wind wasn't straight down the runway, uh, we'd turn on the, the downwind of 45 and then reverse so that all your 
um, major turning was done at the higher end of your altitude that you're obviously giving up while you're gliding uh, around this turn uh, and not you're not attempting to finish a finals turn very close in and l at low level where you know you might not have time to assess the fact that you're in a stall and uh, you need to eject uh, and then you line up on the runway and basically look and see how you're doing uh, and uh, quite quickly it's you know you can we're all pilots we can assess when we're sliding below the ideal glide path and we're probably not going to make the end of the runway, you know, the runway and it's tracking up the windshield and everything, you know, you're starting to try to stretch the glide, all the pointers are there and you just make your decision and jump out. Um, but, uh, you know, they were clearly defined and if you didn't meet both those parameters, you just ejected, you pick a nice, you know, place to plant the aeroplane, try and point it out to sea or something and, and eject. But... It's very different uh, when it's your own airplane or if you're in a different type or flying different types. Uh, we just have one type and the parameters vary depending on the type of aircraft and, of course, on the conditions of the day. That can make a significant uh, difference. But uh, just manoeuvring hard without an engine close to the ground uh, is just inherently very dangerous. That's what they're trying to say most of the, most of the time. But it is possible in some types if you've got the right amount of energy. Exactly. You know? It's all about energy, right? Right. Yep. The, uh, I believe it was the uh, Beechcraft Bonanza that uh, kind of failed <laughs> every attempt they made to do the impossible turn. It was for that airplane, I believe, uh, was a Bonanza impossible. But I believe they also used a Cessna 172, 182, one of those, and, um, and a... Uh, a J3 Cub. J3 Cub Cub had no problem. <laughs> you could probably do a couple turns around <laughs> and land. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the point. And you've got to be familiar with your type. Yeah. To, and, and quite honestly, you've got to be a, a sensible pilot flies with an experienced CFI on that type. And they fly the maneuvers together, work out what this pilot should use as his minimum. Mm -hmm. And uh, if, you, if you don't reach both those height and speed parameters then don't even think about it just point ahead and uh, pick yeah. a field and hopefully you've done your homework beforehand so you know what fields there are off the end of the runway because you know <laughs> when your engine fails at 300 feet that's really not the time to start trying to find a field <laughs> hopefully right, well, yeah. you've had a bit of a think about uh, like mm. sully did he, he yep. thought about where he was going to put that airplane if he hadn't uh, a problem in the middle of new york and he went, yeah, funny old thing. I thought about this before, and this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And, of course, uh, what our listener um, that uh, had the forced landing shortly after takeoff um, from that airport in uh, just outside of Charlotte, uh, I think Ben, I, I believe was his name was. Um, he's a CFI. Yes. Is that right, Liz? Correct. Okay. And uh, he talked about that very fact, Nick, that uh, he knew the lay of the land uh, off every uh, possible uh, runway in use at that airport. And he knew that, you know, just a slight turn to the left was a, a huge, wide open field available for a forced landing if necessary. So, yeah. Yeah. Well done to him, because yeah. that's the sort of thing you just really want to stow away for the day it happens. By the way, um, our hag, 
no, or just RH actually, uh, did a uh, interviewed Ben uh, on an episode of the uh, Opposing Bases podcast, and it was a very interesting and more in-depth um, kind of interview uh, to find out about all the things that Ben was thinking about and all the circumstances of that day and everything else. So it was very. Very interesting. Well, um, hopefully yeah, I remember I thought, to uh, put a link to that. It was very good. I, I just thought RH was a bit mean, uh, telling him he was a dreadful pilot because he could, couldn't remember the uh, air traffic information service letter, the ATIS letter. So yeah, when I know. he declared it as emergency, he didn't say with Alpha or whatever <laughs> right. his ATIS was. I, yeah, and that I thought RH could have given a bit of a break on that. I, I agree. I think he was very rude uh, in that respect. <laughs> I mean, he, well, he's rude in general, but I mean, very rude in this particular interview. But, you know how how those controllers are. <laughs> oh yeah, well you know they lose their cool at the drop of a hat. I know. Uh, we're just kidding, of course. Uh, so thank you, Martinsville Matt, for that uh, link to and and really I do recommend, especially if you're a general aviation pilot, to watch that video. It's very or a uh, colonel inf- uh, aviation pilot or even a lieutenant aviation pilot. Yeah. Yeah. What did I say? General. 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 Okay. <laughs> well, see, I, I have to make a point of instead of saying GA, because every time I see GA, it means Georgia to me. <laughs> Why are they always talking okay. about Georgia pilots? Um, I'm a Georgia yeah. pilot. <laughs> don't apply in Louisiana or Alabama or any other state. <laughs> exactly. Um, hey, we have some audio feedback from someone who is the host of his very own podcast. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, let's see. We're going to let him talk to us. Here we go. Because he knows how to do the talking thing on podcasts. So here we go. From Aviator Tony, uh, Anthony Giravella. I guess that's the way you pronounce his name. Squawk Ident Podcast. Here we go. Well, hello there, APG crew. Aviator Tony here. Just wanted to say thank you so much for keeping me just absolutely sane during the last few weeks. It's been crazy on my end, and it's been a while since my last feedback. Well, as a matter of fact, I think that uh, Captain Jeff said, well, he's a podcaster. Why doesn't he send audio? Challenge accepted. Well, you guys took me back way back a few shows ago and i absolutely appreciated it i just wanted to say thank you when you all were talking about the sherry i was just floored a big smile came to my face and i remembered my first time at the sherry fontanake in miami beach i was a 20 something year old regional pilot first time on a jet aircraft with the company only a few months and I had an amazing crew. And the first time I landed in Miami, hopped on the transportation van, and here we are in the Biscayne Bay. It was my it was like my head was on a swivel. I was like, this is just like CSI Miami. This is awesome. Looking around at the sun and the beautiful architecture and all of the people was just an amazing experience. And as we turned and headed towards the Sherry Fontenaye, I was just floored with the architecture, the Art Deco design, and checking into the hotel and seeing that big poster that they had up at the time of the Beatles. And I came to find out that 
the Sherry was the hotel that the Beatles stayed at on their very first tour in the United States of America. I mean, it was amazing. And we checked in, I got into my room, and all of the wicker furniture and the bamboo and the poster beds and the wrought iron beds and everything just was so unique, so charming, a little little dingy and a little (laughs) dank from the air conditioning units that were probably as old as the hotel. But, you know, in typical form, the captain said, hey, I'll meet you downstairs in 10 minutes. Bring your suit. We're going to head out to the pool and just hang out for a while before dinner. Like, okay, sure. This is awesome. And sure enough, surrounded by this beautiful landscape at Miami Beach, sitting there between the two twin towers with this giant pool with a fountain in the middle of it, the beer machine that had a dollar beers in it. I mean, yeah, but light, but it was still just an amazing experience. And as all the other flight crews trickled in, the flight crews from British Airways, the United crews, the KLM crews, the 747 crews, I mean, I lost count of how many flight attendants were checking in. And uh, some of them, they all all looked like they had lined up on a runway in total perfection with their uniforms and they were all the same height. And I was just floored with what I was experiencing. And as we sat out there, you know, as the night started to near, all the barbecues were rolling captains with their steaks for the crew and the pizzas were being ordered and beer. And it just was an amazing time meeting just interesting people. So much fun. I'll never forget it. And I just want to say thank you for bringing me back to that memory. I did a little research after hearing you talk about it a few shows ago. And I found out that the Sherry Fontenake was designed by Henry Hauser. He was a renowned architect that designed the Sherry in 1947 as a post-multi-million dollar glamour resort hotel. The hotel was featured in 1949 in an issue of Florida Architecture. The city of Miami Beach has acclaimed the Sherry Fontenake and recognized that the twin towers of the Sherry Fontenake give the illusion of two graceful ocean liners, complete with smokestacks afloat side by side at the edge of the Atlantic Ocean. Recently, it was the recipient of an award by the Miami Design Preservation League. And that little bit of history will now always be a little bit of mine. And I want to say thank you for bringing that memory back. So Captain Jeff, Dr. Steph, Captain Nick, Miami Rick, and Liz, of course, thank you for all that you do with each show, your in-depth analysis of these accidents and the aviation news is fantastic. We laugh, we cry, we smile, and we even enjoy those fantastic old pilots plane tales. Dr. Steph, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that I have found not a cure, but a treatment for the APG syndrome. I'm just saying, if you've got the APG syndrome and you need a break, there's always the Squawk Den podcast. Hey, I just had to get it in there, guys. Come on. Forget about it. Anyway, thanks again. Oh, and Rick, hope to see you out on the flight line this month. Very excited. June 1st, rather than having 737s flying in and out of Ontario Airport, Legacy has decided to replace that flying with Airbus flying. So, 
I might be able to run into you somewhere out there in operations. Who knows? We'll see. Either way, we'll have to figure something out and share an IPA together. Guys, again, thank you. Thank you to your listeners as well. Fantastic podcast. And I recommend your show to everyone I meet. Seriously. Take care. Talons, Douglas. <laughs> wow, that was awesome audio feedback Talk talking not. about highly produced that was good <laughs> God, absolutely was brilliant awesome. love it you see, up here i was on layover it was great yeah it was a- i know i i could hear oh you know yeah. all those hotel bars that we've been in all those fabulous foyers oh, yeah. and uh sitting around with the crew in those uh luxurious places just you know brought back so many memories so well done yeah. thanks Tony. yeah yeah hey tony i would love to love to uh meet up with you out there and uh and, and soak out at some point and uh we'll, we'll make that happen absolutely we'll uh we'll figure something out and you know i'm not sure he mentioned it uh more than five times his uh podcast is squawk ident podcast no he didn't oh he well, did he did mention about a podcast I, I didn't, yeah, <laughs> no, does he have a podcast he I th- really? well you know i'm pretty sure yeah if he doesn't he should <laughs> yeah no. yeah that'd well, be totally, good if you, you have you a should podcast do that. let us know what it's called and uh, yeah we'll, uh, we'll, oh perhaps uh, we yeah. could think up a name for you like uh my parrot's dead uh, oh, no. that's a good um, one <laughs> yeah <laughs> nick is a very creative man <laughs> I don't know where he comes Very up with these so. things. Yeah, I think alcohol has a lot to do with it. But um, <laughs> <Probably>. yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, really, seriously, Anthony, um, Aviator Tony, we we really do appreciate the very uh, well crafted uh, audio feedback, and um, thank you for doing a lot of that research on the uh, on the sherry. And uh, yeah, I'm glad it brought back memories. All right. We can continue moving on here with the feedback and oh, this gosh, darn it. You know, if, if audio feedback from aviator, Tony isn't enough, well, he's got to send in more feedback. Uh, let's see. Woo-hoo. He sent in this uh, deep water discovery in Folsom Lake. And, uh, let me, I don't know if I set this up or not to play a little bit of it. Let me find out here. Uh, just hang in there. While I try to find it. Yeah, I did. Okay, here we go. I'm going to play a little bit of this video here. So bear with me. Well, a shocking find at the bottom of Folsom Lake, a plane missing for five decades, possibly discovered. CBS 13's Marissa Perlman is live along the lake with what two men found by chance. Marissa? Yeah, two technicians were testing some new solar technology about half a mile from where we're standing now. And I think she means sonar, not yeah, solar. Yeah, I was just about to say sonar, woman, sonar. It's got an any found about 160 feet below the surface is what they believe is wreckage from a deadly plane crash from 1965. A deep water discovery. These images show a fully intact airplane taken from underwater sonar equipment. And it may have just solved a 56-year-old mystery. It was clear as day. Tyler Atkinson and Jeff Riley with Seafloor Systems know Folsom Lake like it's their own backyard. But on this day, as they surveyed the water, something unusual stood out. I saw something that was not normal those lights on the ROV allow me to actually identify and say like, okay, well, there's no way that's a rock. 
Low lake levels made it easier for the sonar technology to get a clear image, and they saw the plane's tail and propeller matching the description of the Piper Comanche 250 that crashed in 1965. He sees something on the bottom like this that looks man-made. That's when we decide, okay, there's definitely something uh, down there, and maybe it's the plane. It was New Year's Day when that plane... All right, well, that's enough. Uh, played actually most of it, but if you want to watch the rest of it, we'll have a link to that video in the show notes. Folsom Lake, is that in California? I, I'm trying to... Re Folsom Prison. Presumably yeah. it's in Folsom. Uh, yeah. It's in Folsom. I don't yeah, know. there's a lake there in Folsom. <laughs> I don't know. Does anybody have any idea? Because I was trying to figure that out. No, right. no but I, I'd like uh. those guys to go out and start trolling that around uh, the uh, Indian Ocean uh, where Malaysia oh, yeah. uh, well, aircraft went down. I'm not sure that that would be up to the task, <laughs> that whole thing. <laughs> but having said that, you know, the, uh, the refined image looked very clear, didn't it? Mm -hmm. mm. It did. It did Good indeed. Stuff. All right. Actually, Jeff, yes. it's a reservoir oh. not that far from Stockton, where okay. Rex sometimes hangs out. It's out. a reservoir not too far from Stockton, California. So, how about that? Rick? You're probably you've probably flown over Folsom Lake or very close by. I think so. That's why I thought yeah. it was in California. That seemed to kind of ring a bell to me, Northern California. I think uh, next time I'm there, I'm going to bring my uh, my duck floaties and my uh, you know my flippers and uh, just go. Uh, Go for a little uh, Go look exploratory, for <laughs> yeah, exploratory <laughs> swim down nice. there myself. That would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, have fun. Yeah. Mm. You need right. a couple to do that, though. <laughs> yeah. yes. Watch out for that propeller. You might get, yeah. Uh, yeah. get a little cut there. Yeah. Um, yeah, make sure you turn the magnetos off first. Yeah. All right, Luke sent us this in, an update. Um, we talked about this incident um, a little while back, uh, the Antonov AM-124 that, uh, uh, well, didn't crash. They, well, sort of they did. Uh, they, they took off, had that uh, massive number two engine failure, um, uh, not um, contained, uncontained, there we go, engine failure, and uh, pieces actually penetrated the fuselage and severed a lot of the hydraulics and electrical uh, systems on the airplane. It was kind of a minor miracle that the uh, pilot was able to get this thing back around and landed safely. And they, they ended up going off the end of the runway because of, uh, you know, reduced braking effectiveness uh, because of the severed lines. But uh, so we remember seeing the uh, picture that uh, Liz has up there in the overlay right now with the number two engine kind of shot to heck. And then uh, the most recent photo is uh yeah, the airplane's looking good of course the engine's completely gone i guess they're going to go fit a replacement engine in its place and uh, but the damage to the fuselage itself looks like it's um underway uh pretty well so they're gonna get that thing back like new it looks nice yeah yeah look at that yeah the uh I, I I tell you every time I see one of these uh, one of these happy happy stories where the airplane gets uh, gets back uh, and gets to fly again it's just just it's good it just makes me happy it's good yeah. she's you know got to see well this is, this aircraft has such unique capabilities doesn't it uh, Rick I mean uh, you know there's there's really nothing like it uh, no, in the world. There was actually one uh, parked here in uh, in Alliance yesterday night when I came in um, oh wow so, yeah so we uh, turned final about uh, I don't know it was a six seven mile final and uh you could see it and it's just you know 
light as day, biggest thing around there, and just big white Antonov, you know, 124. Yeah, they definitely stick out when you see them. I'd love to have a crawl around the flight deck. You know, I've got in my mind, uh, like the inside of a big steam engine with lots of pipes and big wheels to turn and huge levers to pull. It, I think uh, that's I, exactly what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> You know, well, they're uh, yeah, those enormous circuit breakers, like you know, with big bars <laughs> slammed down. Yeah, you have to wear like big, heavy leather gloves, though. Yeah, big, yeah, and goggles because you've got to be a big flash when you, <laughs> when you when you make the circuit breakers. It's very reliable, though. Very reliable. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. And the the nuclear blast or whatever the the <laughs> pulse from the nuclear, it ain't gonna affect that sucker at all. Oh no, I think like a <laughs> no, tank. No. <laughs> No, no, no. no, that's EMP proof. It's designed that way. Yeah. No, yeah. All right. Um, more feedback. Uh, this is from Tony Smith in Pierford. Is that the way you uh, say that, Nick? P Y R F O R D, Pierford. Uh, I don't know. Sorry. I've never been there. Okay. I should ask them. All right. Well, wait. All this time and two come along all together rather like the fabled number nine bus. Thank you, Jeff and Nick, for your crew logs. Oh, we were talking about our crew logs. Um, oh. I think it, it – oh, and, and this is probably written to us before um, we published Rick's crew log. Which yeah, is the that was a great one, one Rick. Yeah, that was good. And just a reminder to those of you out there wondering, what crew logs, what are they talking about? Well, that's one of the perks of becoming a member, a patron of the show, patreon.com. And I talked about it a little bit earlier on this show, how um, you know it's just so much easier if you're a patron – uh, to to receive that uh, private RSS feed where you can get those uh, uh, handy dandy crew logs, and we were kind of remiss in publishing them for some time, and then just recently, um, as Tony says, he was just about to give up on us, and then uh, he says two in a row, but actually three in a row. Um, so I think it's fair to say that none of we patrons contribute just to receive logs, but they're a great bonus. To me, my small contribution seems the least I can do for the hours of entertainment that APG gives me, but it is so much more than that. I really do feel part of a community of vastly different people from many parts of the world who have just one thing in common, their love of aviation. Since I started joining the live recording, I get twice as much since I seem to miss so much of the podcast during the recording because I'm paying more attention to the live chat room. Yeah, we know uh, that I always listen to the audio version as well. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and this is another good plug for, as, as Tony is mentioning, if you can fit it into your schedule and, and join us um, from time to time on the live uh, recording, the live broadcast, you should because uh, the folks in the chat room are uh, wonderful people and sometimes uh, the it's like a show of its own on the chat room and and unfortunately those of us who are doing the actual show kind of miss a lot of what's happening there but um it's it's a totally different experience and i can understand what he's saying there when you because i've been on live broadcast chats uh, and you're not you're not really paying attention to what they're talking about on on the uh on the uh and they help keep show. us 50 percent and above sometimes too yes they do help us keep uh 50 or above at times Liz. Oh, yeah, very useful. Absolutely. <laughs> Can you uh, remove that overlay, Liz? Thank you. Uh, and uh, let's see. So um, anyway, when this pandemic has been tamed, I look forward to the possibility that we may have another meetup in our neck of the woods. But until then, blue skies and all that stuff. 
And again, that's Tony Smith from Pierford, Surrey, UK. And yes, we. So I, I'm not before. sure where that is, Tony, but uh, I bet we're not far apart. So because I'm on the more or less on the Surrey, board, the border of the county of Surrey. So, hmm. um, and of course, I, I drive well into Surrey to Guildford uh, when I bowl every time I bowl. That's where my new club walking. is. So um, when we uh, when we get uh, you know a bit more freedom, we're all a little more confident. Then uh, I'm sure we could hold a meet up not far from uh, where I live. Well, do, you, perhaps you can do you know where Woking is? Yeah, I do. That's uh, Liz says that Pureford is uh, very close to Woking. In- interesting. And I started flying from an aerodrome just north of Woking, uh, Fair Oaks. So uh, I wonder if Tony knows that place. I don't know if they've got a nice bar there, but a restaurant or a burger place might be a nice spot for a meet up. Yeah, I could love. I'd love to relive some memories of when I was eighteen years old and washing airplanes and sweeping hangers down there. And of course, I'm, I keep pronouncing it Pyrford, but it could be Pyrford, P-Y-R, Pyrford. I don't know. Um, but uh, Liz says it's a thirty-five mile, a thirty-five minute drive from your place uh, to Tony's. <laughs> to well, I never. Yeah. All right. Well, it'd be half an hour in my my TT. Oh yeah, sure. or or less. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Joking. Yeah. So let's get together. Uh, let's get together um, in a in a month and a bit, perhaps when uh, the final uh, freedoms have been granted us, and we can all relax properly. Freedom. All right. Well, thanks for the um, nice words, uh, Tony. And I'm glad you're enjoying the crew logs, and I'm glad that you feel part of this wonderful aviation podcasting community and uh we're glad you're there all right let's continue with oh this is from graham and he was with us in the live chat earlier i don't know if he's still there he or not. Was. he just dropped in and oh, oh okay Where so was he he may touch and go. it was a touch and go liz says he he, he dropped he, he was just checking to make sure that we were going to do his feedback probably anyway uh and we are and right now he says He's in uh, Jackson's hole. Yes, that's right. Poor Jackson. Um, <laughs> and uh, he, he says uh, he's at G4 Recurrent, uh, Gulfstream 4, Recurrent Training in Morristown, New Jersey this week. We're adding a fifth full-time pilot to our group. Our airplane did 80 hours of charter last month. Last month. He said, that's a lot. All the best. And uh, I think, did you... Throw up. I think I have a overlay in there, Liz. There is one here. Okay, why don't you pop that one up on the screen? There he is. Look at that. That's Graham. Great photo, Graham, in front of the. Uh, That's got to be photoshopped. I've never ever seen a pilot looking happy in front of a <laughs> well, simulator. Maybe just well, that, that's after the ride. <laughs> yeah. That's after the ride. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it never looks good. that way before you. Yeah, go good or, point. Or good you know point. what? Well, it, could be, it could be Nick. Just pause. I, I see some pieces of stuff on the floor, and the thing kind of looks a little a kilter. <laughs> yes. Maybe he's just like really pleased that he broke it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The, the jacks are broken. It's hanging on. Oh man, hanging I tell on. You, uh, the you edge. walk down. You walk down that that little bridge. It's like walking down the plank, isn't it? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Hi, uh, absolutely. <laughs> Prepare to die. Um, that's a very bad impression of a pirate. Um, anyway, um, he also sent us a link to an article um, uh, that has to do with the airplane that I'm flying right now. The Boeing, in quotes, 717 changed Qantas. 
And uh, it's a nice article from Simple Flying. I'll read a little bit of it here. The Boeing 717-200 flies under the radar at Qantas. Many people don't even know the airline operates the aircraft type. Flying the plane was never part of the long-term plan at Qantas, but they inherited the 717-200 when they bought out another airline in 2001. Since then, the Boeing 717-200 went on to be a surprise sleeper hit for Qantas. Anyway, that's all I'm going to read there. If you want to read the entire article, it's a very good article about the 717 and how many airlines are using it. Well, not many, but some. There are not a lot of them out there, uh, the 717. Uh, but uh, those who are uh, using them really like them. Uh, they're, they're, they fill a, uh, a very good uh, niche or niche. I should perhaps uh, perhaps uh, suggest that Qantas fly their aircraft uh, and radar contact uh, not under the radar. Yeah, that's it, true. Uh, <laughs> kind of, you know, that. Uh, well, you can get away with a lot more though, Rick. Yeah, if you're well, under that's, the that's true. You you are right. You are right. So I'll take. Well, that it back. burns more fuel that yeah. way. Though. <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, let's see, Robert uh, from. Uh, let's see, he's south of the. Big I've always chicken. wondered. Sorry, I, I've always wondered why they didn't put a U in Qantas. Um. Because it is an acronym, right? Uh, yeah, but Queen has got a U in it. Oh, okay. So it's Queensland and Northern Territories Airline Service, something like that. Yeah, well, Liz is suggesting maybe it be a, a, a little or a lowercase u after the Q. Could be. I just think it's that Australians can't spell, but there you go. Yeah, these Australians. They like to do yeah. things differently, don't they? Uh, the <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to interrupt, Jeff. Oh, that's all right. I, I welcome any interruption. So <laughs> anyway, uh, Robert from uh, Mayretta says, I actually experienced the opposite years ago at, oh, so he uh, he's talking about my flight uh, when we were talking about, or I was talking about the flight path to Dallas uh, a couple of weeks ago on the uh, multi-reroute multi trip. And... He said that he actually experienced the opposite years ago at Dallas Love flying southwest. Weather caused musical gates with chaos of constant southwest gate changes, as I recall. When I looked over at the lonely Delta gate, it appeared to operate just fine. What about the Acme gate? Did he look over at that one? Um, looking forward to my Alaska or bust field trip this weekend. Yeah, that's a, a hashtag that he has there. Alaska or bust. Uh, it's scheduled for six flights and about 26 hours, Atlanta uh, to Fairbanks, Alaska, and back for 21,000 miles and all of my upgrades cleared. I'll try to get some audio and footage back for y'all. And I think it actually did uh, send us some, but we haven't. Uh, we'll, we'll save that for an upcoming episode. So uh, thank you, uh, Robert, for your feedback. And looks like we can continue moving on. Anything else to say? Folks, did I hear something from someone? No? Okay. Oh, sorry. No, it's just Poppy. Oh, okay. Poppy has something to say, Liz? Yes. She's okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, woof. Woof, yep. <laughs> Noted. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Texas and LaShock sent us this. Uh, interesting things in Houston and an appeal. Greetings, Captain Jeff and APG crew. Over the last week, I was in Houston for a job and it afforded a couple of opportunities. On Monday, our work was over very quickly. 
So with the majority of the day free, I opted to visit the Johnson Space Center Museum. That's an interesting place if you haven't been, and a welcome relief to the heat and humidity outside. Outside, they have the shuttle carrier November 905 November Alpha with a shuttle mock-up perched atop her back. I was surprised by how close they let you get. You can literally, literally walk right up to it. The only part that was fenced off was the landing gear itself. And it turns out the belly of the 747 is high enough for me to walk under without stooping. Well, Nick is showing Life us his beer, IPA. Life and Death IPA. Mm, that sounds good. Nice. Um, inside the plane are various displays about the shuttle carriers, including the radio-controlled model they used as a proof of concept, while the shuttle mock-up has exhibits about the shuttle itself. The other place I visited was the Lone Star Flight Museum, a place I didn't even know existed until I saw a sign for it while looking for the Space Center. Someone might have mentioned it here once, but I don't remember hearing of it before, so I decided to check it out. It's a nice little museum, smaller than most, but also a lot cheaper, $15 as opposed to over 30 for the Space Center. And I had the good fortune to pick Thursdays when the price was only 5 bucks. As you might guess from the name, its main focus is the history of aviation in the state of Texas, which is almost as long as the history of aviation itself, dating back to John V. Pliska, who built the first airplane locally produced. The museum centers around two main hangars, which hold the display aircraft. One thing you might notice is that most of the planes have oil pans beneath them because these are, in fact, flight-capable birds. Among them are the official B-25 Mitchell of the Doolittle Radar, Radar, hey, the Doolittle Raiders Association, a DC-3 in Continental Airlines classic colors, and a TBM Avenger named Barbara III, or Barbara III, representing the aircraft George H.W. Bush flew into combat. combat. He named all his planes after his then fiance. Uh, aside from the hangars, there's also a small aerodynamics exhibit area which seems more geared toward kids, a Texas Air Hall of Fame, and exhibits of various companies in the aviation industry. The most surprising thing I found there, however, was an exhibit of artifacts, including the ship's bell from the USS Texas BB-35, a New York class, a New York class battleship launched over a hundred years ago, and a veteran of both world wars. She was part of the British Grand Fleet in the latter part of World War I, and in World War II, she participated in the assaults on Sicily, Normandy, Iwo Jima, and Okinawa. After the war, she was transferred to the state of Texas and opened to the public as a museum ship. In the years since, however, she has slowly deteriorated, and now efforts are underway to get her into dry dock for some much-needed much repairs and overhaul. Part of the Lone Star Flight Museum's exhibit is a fundraiser for that purpose, so if anyone's uh, is in. If anyone is in, I'd encourage you to go check it out. There are cool planes to see and a ship that needs help. I realize it's a little outside our usual purview, but it's uh, a valuable piece of American history, and I think it would be a shame to see her just rust away. Anyway, oh, and the other th place he went to was the best little whorehouse in Texas. But he, oh, he told me not to read that on the. Uh, sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, anyway, that's all for now. <laughs> Clear skies to you all. This is the Texas Anlas Shock signing off. All right. Thank you. Yeah, so if you're in the Houston area, of course, that's I'm brilliant. too busy doing podcasts to uh, go visit these things. But maybe one of these days I'll check out the uh, museums of which you mention. 
in my that, RV. That uh, that battleship uh, sounds like it had a great history. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, love from to see Normandy that. to Okinawa. That's that's a little bit of a trek. Absolutely, and you know, yeah, that's true. Part of the British oh, Grand Fleet before that. So oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was the that was the, the the bad or shady part of its history, I think. <laughs> that, that's when it was nice and shiny. <laughs> Probably was. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what, guys? I think it's time for us to play this week's installment of the old pilot's Plain Tales. And uh, this one this week is entitled hmm, The Baby Killers. Let's find out exactly what that means. The old pilots playing tales. The baby killers. It was the 19th of January, 1915, and the people of the English town of Great Yarmouth and King's Lynn were woken to an eerie throbbing sound from above them. No one there had ever heard it before, this deep rumble of powerful engines in the sky slowly approaching in the darkness. People left their homes and looked up into the inky black sky, but nothing could be seen. The noise grew, and now alarmed at this strange roaring, they began to run, but nobody was sure which way would be safe. They didn't know if they were running towards danger or away. Then the blackness was cracked wide open by a bright flash, soon followed by the thunder of an explosion as bombs dropped on the defenceless people below. The full horror of aerial warfare had just been unleashed on the people of England, and when the smoke cleared, the first deaths revealed a 72-year-old lady, Martha Taylor, and a shoemaker, Samuel Smith. The carnage that was infesting the Western Front, a few hundred miles away across the English Channel, now arrived at the British capital, London, which came under attack from this terrible new weapon of bombardment, the Zeppelin. These massive craft which had previously carried civilians on pleasure cruises, were now being deployed to kill them. Raids had already occurred on the continental city of Liège, Antwerp and Paris, but now the Germans turned their attention towards England. With German military forces trapped in the trenches of Belgium and France, it was Admiral Paul Benck, who first proposed that the German Zeppelin force should attack Britain, a concept that was approved by Alfred von Tirpitz and agreed by the Kaiser. The commander of the Zeppelin Corps justified this targeting of a civilian population from the air with these chilling words. Nowadays, he said, there is no such animal as a non-combatant. Modern warfare is total warfare. The aim of the German High Command was clear. They wanted to break the morale of the people of Britain and force the government to abandon the war against Germany. For the first few months of 1915, Zeppelins would hit towns across the east, 
Southend, Ipswich and Bury St Edmunds were all attacked multiple times, but there were few signs of panic, no mass hysteria, and the spirit of the civilians so cruelly dragged into the war held. So the Zeppelins headed for London. There had been no air raids on the capital before. There had never been anything like this. Suddenly, blazing incendiaries were falling from the sky and setting light to houses. It was almost like science fiction. In one attack on London, in 20 minutes, a Zeppelin had dropped 3,000 pounds of bombs and 91 incendiaries that started 40 fires, gutted buildings and left seven people dead. Not a single shot was fired in retaliation. The first deaths happened in Cooper Road at the house of a man called Samuel Leggett who had five children. Three-year-old Elsie died in her bed. From that day forward, the Zeppelins and the Germans responsible were dubbed the Baby Killers. Thousands of Londoners took to the streets to watch the attacks. Doris Cobbin remembered her father taking her outside, wrapped in a blanket to see what he described as history being made. Her mother brought out the other children, and they gazed up in amazement at the huge machines as they flew sedately overhead. We were out there, she recalled. As far as I remember, it was cheerful, but probably the grown-ups were absolutely petrified. London was ablaze, buildings were ripped apart, and by the time the attack was over, 22 were dead, 87 had received horrific injuries, and the Zeppelins had escaped into the night completely unharmed. European cities had mounted a stronger defence than those in England. Early attacks on them by the German army airships showed their vulnerability to ground fire when the Z-6, flying below the cloud, was damaged by small arms fire, crashing during a forced landing near Bonn and being destroyed. Z-5 was also brought down by ground fire over the Eastern Front during the Battle of Tannenberg. Ground artillery was obviously effective and had some success, but all that was needed to negate the threat was for the airships to climb to a sufficient altitude, although this reduced the accuracy of their bombing missions considerably, with many attacks unable to hit even reasonably sized cities. Finally, the Flying Corps and naval pilots were sent aloft to combat these machines. It had been discovered that the ball ammunition of the small-caliber three hundred three machine guns used by the fighters had little effect on the gas bags and something else would be needed. As it turned out, another three things would be added to the British pilots' ammunition to help the Pomeroy, the Buckingham, and the Brock bullets. Brock was a naval officer with a flair for invention. Indeed, he invented the anti-submarine Dover flare, a ship-fired illuminating flare which forced enemy submarines to dive into the array of nets and mines laid around the shipping lanes. 
His modification turned the standard three o three bullet into an incendiary round. Brock's bullet had a cut-brock nickel envelope with a deep nose cavity into which the main composition was placed with an air channel running through the centre. On top of this was the priming charge, which protruded through the envelope and was covered by orange varnish. The main composition was potassium chlorate, and the priming mix, potassium chlorate and mercury sulfocyanide. The Buckingham round was similarly named after its inventor, but was filled with yellow phosphorus and aluminium powder instead, which gave a clear smoke trail, and was the original tracer round. It was New Zealander John Pomeroy who saw that in order to ignite the hydrogen within the zeppelins, it needed to escape through large holes so it could mix with the atmospheric oxygen outside the gas envelopes. His round was an explosive mix of dynamite and shock-sensitive nitroglycerine. When fired, the dynamite within the hollow core would move to the rear of the tube, leaving the film of nitroglycerine at the nose, ready to ignite it when sudden deceleration occurred. Despite the sophistication of these new incendiary and explosive rounds, the first Zeppelin to be brought down by a fighter was through the use of bombs. The naval pilot, Reginald Alexander John Warnford, followed the LZ-37 from the coast near the French town of Ostend. He previously attacked the LZ-39 with his machine gun, but the airship climbed out of trouble. Now he was homing in on her sister ship in his Moraine Solnia Type L. Braving defensive machine gun fire, he succeeded in climbing above it, and then he dropped his six 20-pound Hales bombs, striking the vast Zeppelin and setting it alight. The airship crashed in flames into a convent school near Ghent in Belgium, killing all but one of the crew and two of the nuns. The surviving crew member was pitched out of the gondola he was in, onto a bed which cushioned his fall. The exploding airship threw Warnford's monoplane onto its back and stopped his engine, but he successfully forced landed behind enemy lines. After spending 35 minutes working on the engine, he managed to restart it, just as the Germans realised what was going on. He yelled at the approaching troops, Give my regards to the Kaiser! and took off, returning to base. For his bravery in attacking and downing the Zeppelin, Warford was awarded the Légion d'honneur and the Victoria Cross. But following a celebratory lunch with the French Army Commander-in-Chief, he flew a ferry flight, and when his aircraft's wing failed, it pitched both him and his journalist passenger out of their machine to their deaths. One of the main uses of the Zeppelin was for naval reconnaissance over the North Sea and the Baltic. During the war, almost 1,000 recce missions were flown, compared with only around 50 strategic bombing raids, and the German Navy had enough airships to have two machines patrolling almost constantly at any one time. 
However, the vulnerability of the Zeppelins to poor weather resulted in many losses. On one night alone, two crashed into the North Sea from a combination of high winds and engine problems. These Zeppelin missions prevented the Royal Navy from easily approaching the German coast or laying mines without being observed. The need to find a way to engage and remove the airship threat was given a great deal of consideration. As an interim measure, some of the Navy's great ships were fitted with a platform mounted on one of the main gun turrets from which a fighter could be launched. The first successful launch of a Sopwith Pup was performed in the summer of 1917, followed a couple of months later by the first engagement of a Zeppelin by Sub-Lieutenant Bernard Smart. Armed with a mix of the new Brock, Buckingham and Pomeroy ammunition, he described his encounter thus. I could see a man and an object unpleasantly like a machine gun on top of the envelope, and I now realised the time had come. I was now at 7,000 feet, and the Zeppelin a thousand feet below, at an angle of 45 degrees, and I was still heading straight for her stern. I pushed forward the control stick and dived. The speed indicator went with a rush up to 150 miles an hour, and I rammed down the machine gun's operating lever and held it there. The gun spat out, and the Zeppelin was now a mass of flames, and had dropped so that the nose was pointing to the sky at an angle of 45 degrees whilst the flames were fast licking up towards the nose. An object was adrift from the forward end of the Zeppelin, which I first took to be some part of the fabric falling off, but on looking again I discovered it to be a man descending in a parachute. He was the only one, and as he floated down, he and I seemed to be alone in space. I turned until my compass was in the opposite direction to that when I had been chasing the Zeppelin, and then looked back to have a last glance at the blaze. He never found his own ship, HMS Yarmouth, but luckily a destroyer had been attracted by the smoke, and he was able to ditch his aircraft beside it. The brave attack by Smart was the first time in history that an aircraft launched from a seagoing ship had been successful in air-to-air combat. He was promoted to flight lieutenant and awarded the Distinguished Service Order and the French Croix de Guerre, but in secret, to avoid alerting the Germans to the new British weapon, ship-borne fighters. Since the German airship commander, Lieutenant Bernard Dinter, and his crew of 18 had all perished, the Germans could only think that a British ship had scored a lucky cannon hit. The wedding of the warship to the fighter aircraft had occurred, and it would change naval combat forever. Out of interest, the L-23 he downed had its own remarkable place in history. A few months earlier, Dinter and his crew had performed the remarkable feat of capturing a Norwegian ship. Dropping a bomb off the bow of the Bark Royal, 
Dinter carefully piloted the airship onto the surface of the sea and sent a prize crew across to take possession of the Royal and its cargo of lumber. The world's first flat-top aircraft carrier was Her Majesty's ship Furious, albeit she was a converted battlecruiser and not originally built for the purpose of flying aircraft off her decks. That honour would go to HMS Ark Royal. It was while still under construction that the Royal Navy foresaw the importance of naval aviation and that the aircraft would soon replace the dreadnought as a primary naval weapon. Her enormous 18-inch guns in the front turret were replaced with a landing deck, although she was later changed by extending her flight deck. Initially, pilots had to land by swerving around her superstructure, which made every attempt a hit-or-miss affair. The first landing aboard the Furious, whilst underway, was achieved by Edwin Dunning in a Sopworth pup another world record. His second attempt proved fatal when his engine faltered and he bounced off the deck and over the side. Others tried, but the success rate was so low that ditching alongside was the preferred method of returning to the ship. It was from Furious that the Tondern raid was mounted, an attack on the home of the Zeppelins in Denmark, then part of Germany. After a pause for bad weather, the raid took off in the early hours of the 19th of July 1918. The pilots had trained by practising bombing runs at the airfield at Turnhouse in Scotland, and the depleted force of six Sopwith Camels, one having turned back and ditched with engine trouble, arrived over Tondern at 4.30 in the morning, taking the base completely by surprise. In front of the pilots were three enormous airship hangars called Tosca, Tobia and Tony. Tosca was by far the largest, containing two airships, the L-54 and L-60. A German witness to the attack described it. While I was still half asleep, I seemed to hear the whir and whiz of a propeller. It was not the note of a Zeppelin at all. I jumped up and rushed to the window, from which I could get a view of the whole aerodrome. Suddenly a shadow passed off our house, a few yards above the roof. Absurdly low. A British airplane. The camels dove on their targets, with three bombs hitting Tosca, detonating the gas bags of both airships, destroying them and the shed they sheltered in. The second wave of camels hit Tobias, setting alight a captive balloon contained inside. During the attack, Tondern's gunners woke up and began to defend their base, but the only damage they achieved was to shoot off an undercarriage wheel. The first wave, believing that they had insufficient fuel to return to the fleet, headed for Denmark and safely landed there. The remaining three coasted out, hoping to find friendly ships at sea. All but one successfully ditched and were rescued. Lieutenant Hewlett, the only British casualty of the raid, was never found and presumed drowned. During their brief but deadly dominance, German airships changed the face of war forever. 
in the process, killing more than 550 people and injuring over 1,300 all down the east side of Britain. The last ever attempt to bomb Britain by a Zeppelin was over the Norfolk coast on the 5th of August 1918. Three years earlier, when a Zeppelin had first appeared in the skies above Great Yarmouth, it was an invincible force, but now they were outclassed and swiftly dealt with. Wow. Another great story, and I'm not sure, but that voice sounded a little bit familiar to me at, at the end, that German um, accented voice. Was that you, yeah, Nick? I think I've heard that voice before as well. Your 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 German accent is just on point. Nick. Oh, really I just point. commend you on that. It was yeah. great. Well, actually, uh, that that German is uh, co- colloquially known as a fish head. So um, he said he had to struggle a bit to getting the accent uh, for Middle German right because oh. he lives uh, in. Well, he was brought up in Northern Germany, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I watched with interest a little bit of banter passing between our two good friends, um, Stefan, the uh, lovely guy, the 380 pilot mm-hmm. who flies for Lufthansa, who did that for me, and uh, Marcus, as they uh, swapped a bit of uh, friendly banter concerning their points of origin and the accents. <laughs> and I'm going... <laughs> It all sounds like German to me. So, it all sounded the same. You know, that, <laughs> yeah, don't worry, guys. It's fine. But uh, thanks very much indeed, Stefan, for uh, um, contributing to that plain tale. Um, you know, just, it always adds that little bit of authenticity when you can try and get the voices a little bit mm-hmm. right. I'm not. I'm not good enough. And if I'm not mistaken, that. it sounded like you called Stefan a gas bag. <laughs> I remember hearing something about that. Uh, yeah, possibly. Yes, <laughs> uh, I don't think I did it uh, on purpose. Oh, okay. But okay. No. no. <laughs> um, it, I, I I enjoyed those stories. It actually brought together like uh, three people's uh, um, requests for the inclusion of various aspects of uh, Zeppelin warfare. Um, so uh, you know, it, it was it, and some of those mentions were like years years old i'd sort of been sitting on them until i i got enough uh, information uh, but uh, they, it was a fascinating but very short period of uh, warfare really a zeppelin warfare um so you know it, it's just a little niche and i enjoyed it i know i hope micah enjoyed it because of course he's a he's a great um, one for his airships isn't he his aerostats mm-hmm. yes he does love uh, the aerostat yeah. Uh, the haunting sound effects actually one of the um, uh, music tracks you can get from uh, oh god from uh, YouTube audio mm-hmm. uh, that you're allowed to use. They're all royalty free, uh, so it wasn't actually so much a ground effect, but a, a sound effect. But I have to go through, and if I want to try and find appropriate music, I try and pick one that is appropriate. But uh, thanks, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, and I'm I'm very thankful for you to use those <laughs> instead of copyrighted <laughs> material. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that works fine, doesn't it? And uh, Micah says it was great. And what you were saying is that I'm full of hot air. Well, 
We all know that. I was, <laughs> I was trying not to, but the, the fact that you continually float around bouncing off the ceiling, Micah, uh, you know. Oh, my. That was another good one. I love those uh, That's great. aerostats, good, airships, good zeppelins, all that. That's uh, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, that image of that control room, and you think about it, they've mm. got speaking tubes. It's like being on board a damn ship. Uh, and they were such vast machines. I mean, it's hard to imagine them now uh, with little fighters uh, buzzing around them towards the end of the... Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly right, thanks. Towards the end of the war, these tiny little fighters being able to bring them down uh, relatively easily. But at the beginning of the war, no one had really had any concept. And, of course, this was the very first time that uh, um, an enemy had bombed civilians. Uh, as a, in use that as a tactic in war people before that you know would just shy away from it, it was it would been an anathema to them but right collateral damage yeah, maybe but not mm -hmm. purposely yeah, yeah. But, but yeah purposefully trying to uh, destroy a country's uh, morale by bombing the civilian population mm -hmm. who were just sitting there in their homes you know it, it really did change the whole face of war yeah all right. Well, thank you very much again for the all the hard work that you do on those plane tails, Nick. Really enjoy that uh, one. Love it. Love it. I've got a great idea for next time. I'll, I'll brief you on it later. Okay. Very good. Can't wait to hear it. All right. We'll continue. Oh, Rick's got his captain stripes on. Yeah. That's so uh, cool. It's a, it's a little uh, little cold in this room here, so I had to put the jacket on. Put your hat on as <laughs> well, good. mate. Go the full nine yards. Yeah. Come on. Give us the full <laughs> the full fashion show. <laughs> um. Tim sent in this. He says, Good day, APG team. Here's an interesting incident that I just read about. An Indigo A, that's, I guess that's their airline, right? Indigo ATR 72 with such a hard landing, it blew both nose gear tires. Indy going, going, gone, he says. <laughs> there it is on the, uh, Ouch. On the video. Ooh. Yeah, that was a little bit of a hard landing there on that nose gear. Uh, it would have been a wild ride for the five passengers, probably not too dissimilar to a lot of my ab initio student landings. Anyway, I'm off to the chiropractor, so I'll catch you later. <laughs> um, all the best from your friendly neighborhood flying instructor down under. The inverted flying instructor, perhaps? Sure, whatever you want, Tim. <laughs> There's a picture of the last overlay that Liz is um, displaying is that particular airframe, uh, but it looks like this is before uh, it, it uh, came down hard on the nose wheel. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the way that they, on the belly, could you go back to that last one, Liz? On the belly, they've got a little arrow showing which direction the airplane's traveling, just in case it's so slow that you can't work it out. Wow. That's a true story, actually. Going that way. <laughs> That's funny. Well, you know, those 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 wings aren't exactly swept back, so uh, yeah, we need a little a little visual aid there. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of the Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so unfair, but true. All right, uh, Andy uh, sent us this. He's a hi, Captain Jeff and crew. Uh, you don't have to put this on the show if you don't want to. Oh, okay, pull it. Yeah, okay. uh, next one, please. Yep, next, next. Um, no, we're gonna do it. Uh, my coworker was just telling me a story about a flight from Salt Lake City to Cincinnati. He said he saw the flight attendant use a beverage cart to block off the front galley during a potty break for the pilots. 
I have a feeling that leaving a beverage cart locked up and un- unattended is a safety issue. I've never seen or heard of this happening until now. What's up with that? Thanks, y'all. And again, this is from Andy. And uh, let's see. Oh, it looks like Andy is a sales engineer, Andy Harris, in uh, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, the company is called Newt. She turned me into a Newt. A Newt. <laughs> got better. That's one of my favorite lines from that movie. It's got to be out of uh, Monty Python. Yep. She turned me uh, into a Newt. <laughs> I got better. Yeah. Uh, Monty, yeah, Grith- the, Monty Python and the, the Holy the Grail. Holy Grail or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Well yeah, done. great one. Anyway, um, so I, I thought to myself that that is a an, uh, something that some flight attendant crews will use uh, to set up a, a secure area uh, between the cockpit and the front lavatory, or actually between the front lavatory access and the cockpit area and between that and the and the passenger cabin to prevent passengers from uh, breaching that secure area and it's called a, a blocking maneuver i believe and or a blocking um whatever uh procedure um but the part that got my attention and the reason why i highlighted this guys is because it's okay at least when i looked up in our flight operations manual at acme um, it says the cart is, if a cart is used for blocking, the cart should not be left unattended. And Andy said that, uh, his friend told him that the cart had locked, you know, they put the cart locked up and, and it was unattended. So that shouldn't have occurred, at least not in my airline Acme. Um, but, uh, it, it is a, an authorized, uh, tactic to use to help protect the, uh, pilots the flight deck. I remember one time I took a uh, I took a flight from uh, Brussels to Tel Aviv on a an LL 737 and I happened to be sitting up front there in business class and it really um, um, struck me the their procedure for the flight crew when they have to take a um, a um, um, a bathroom break and they have this device where it's like a swinging door that is the entire height of the cabin that hinges on one side, obviously, and it blocks the entire passenger cabin hmm. from the flight deck and the restroom itself. Wow! So I thought that was really that was really interesting. Now, was that yeah. would that be something considered a what, what kind of airplane was that, Rick? It was a seven thirty seven. Okay, was a, an eight hundred. Okay, yeah. uh, I think that our Airbuses at Acme have. Uh, I think the the wide body Airbuses has something like a secondary barrier, or maybe it's only on the 350. I don't know. Some kind of a. Mm. I'm not sure exactly what that entails. The uh, but the I tell you, I mean this thing you, you could you couldn't you couldn't see through it at all. It was like mm-hmm. a wall. Wow. You know? So uh, I don't know what the device pretty, is on. Pretty on, nifty on Delta three. Yeah, it's, I've seen uh, RVs with that kind of feature. Winnebago uh, makes one. Mm. Uh, maybe that's where they got it. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I'm just kidding. That is interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So th- that's really all I can say about that, Andy, is that, uh, yeah, the, the beverage cart part of it was not not a bad or unauthorized thing. But it's just that they are not supposed to leave it unattended. So and with that, I've been told by the control room that it is time now to wrap up our show. And that means uh, it's time for us to point you over to the website airlinepilotguy.com where you'll find all kinds of good stuff uh, including information about the crew and the community 
and uh, more uh, detailed information on the plane tales. We have merchandise. We have information about the coffee fund. We have the AT, APG, ATB, something, APG library. Uh, our librarian, Tiffany, uh, manages that for us. So if you're a reader and you want to read something aviation related, please check that out. Or if you have some suggestions for the community, uh, please um send them to yeah but don't, don't forget to get your books back in otherwise you'd get fined you know those oh, that's library true. fines they can mount up over the years they can and we might have to kick you out of the community if you <laughs> keep doing that um yeah and much more so uh, check out the website uh, airlinepilotguy.com and uh, you, if you want to send feedback to our show feedback at airlinepilotguy.com if you want to send in audio feedback as well, just uh, use whatever recording device is on your phone or whatever device you're using and attach it to the e- email. And uh, we're also on social media, or what I like to call the social means. And who would like to take a stab at that? Oh, man. All right. I'll, I'll take a stab at it. You see, it, uh, Nick uh, graciously bows out. The lights yeah, went out at Nick's place. <laughs> All right, so uh, we are uh, on Twitter at uh, APG Crew. Everything uh, APG related on that uh, fine platform is on there, as well as the individual handles to each one of the um, crew members of the um, APG Crew. Also on Facebook, Airline Pilot Guy. Uh, and on uh, the uh, Instagrams, I believe that is uh, APG Crew. And I think that. Um, um, there's one more platform, I believe, and someone's itching to get on uh, on the uh, podcast here. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he's he's itching because well, wait a minute, I thought he was taking a shower. Let me was he? Well, now maybe he was itching earlier, but he's probably put some oh, lotion. So that took care of the itching. Yeah, I go. Hello, do you have time for slack? Okay, but I'm dripping wet. That's okay. Come on over here and tell us about slack, please. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack. Thanks a lot, Hillel. Sorry, Jeff, I might have used all your skin lotion. Ah, the itchy thing. (laughs) That's got to be it. All right. (laughs) And, of course, we can't leave without acknowledging and thanking our very hardworking crew member, Liz Piper, in Thank you, Liz. California. Great job with the plain tail, as (laughs) usual. Keep doing that. Thank you. Sorry, Toronto, Canada. In my head, I'm seeing CA. It's just like the GA thing. I keep, eh, I have troubles. Lots of troubles. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Liz, for everything you do. And with that, it is time for us to end the show and to tell you uh, that we thank you for listening and reviewing and subscribing and all that jazz. And look forward to seeing you again on the next episode. And until then, wishing you clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds. Take care, and God bless. We will see you next time. Be excellent to each other. Uh, Bye, everybody. You can not be excellent if you don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's
good day. Such a good, good pilot Till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats Airline, not a guy I fly Cause I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline, not a guy I fly a 